Captain's Log, Stardate 75941.2. I'm Captain Britton. And I'm Dadmiral Patrick. These are the voyages of the Starship Soyager, our ongoing mission to explore new Trek episodes, to seek out old Trek, both cringe and based, and to boldly go... Where no one has gone before. Where no one has gone before! Welcome to the bridge. This is Soy Trek. Show where two Trekkies ask themselves on a weekly basis, what the fuck are we doing with our lives? Today we'll be discussing Strange New Worlds, episode or season one, episode eight, the Elysian Kingdom, and Star Trek The Next Generation, season seven, episode 15, Lower Decks. Today we're joined by a guest. Why don't you announce yourself? Hi, hi out there in podcast world. I'm uh, my name is Patrick. Hello, Patrick. Welcome to the bridge. Oh, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you as you had me in on. I, I love yeah, talking yeah. Trek. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Spencer is off this week, and maybe next week he's uh, moving to California. Oh, wow. to do some California things. Cool, California girls. He wishes they all were, <laughs> but uh, it's not how it works. No. So he's going to a place where they all are. So hopefully that works out for him. <laughs> uh, but uh, before we get into talking about Trek shows. Let's talk what's new in the Trek world. We got Trek news for you. News you can use to wash away your blues. We got Trek news for you. What the fuck you gonna do? What the fuck you gonna do? Oh boy, a little bit going on in uh, Trek news this week. In Trek video game news, uh, Star Trek Stormfall is launching on console uh, June 30th. So uh, the latest uh, update to Cryptic Studios' Star Trek Online, Stormfall, will be released on Xbox and PlayStation consoles on June 30th. Have you ever been into uh, any Star Trek games there, Pat? I haven't haven't played any of them. I always watch those uh, ads that they have on YouTube Mm -hmm. where, like, you know, it has, like, Brent Spiner and Jordy LaForge. <laughs> they don't target those ads to me at all. Really? I, I, I'm surprised because I watch a lot of Star Trek content. Maybe they're like, this guy definitely hates Star Trek, <laughs> so maybe we shouldn't. I also think probably all the sex stuff you look up, like that probably takes precedence <laughs> yeah, over your ta- yeah. targeted marketing. I get a lot of weird like <laughs> enema shower attachment ads yeah. and stuff like that, so that makes sense. That makes a lot it's like, sense. oh, this guy, is, well, he's Linda Trek, but he's more into this butt shit. <laughs> yeah, he's... <laughs> Yeah, he's into the Riker stuff in yeah. Trek. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm definitely a Riker Trek fan. Oh yeah, I'm I'm in it for the weird space sex. You that's know? you know that, that you know that's what you really gotta get into because you know Riker was just out there. He was taking full advantage of just like oh he was taking advantage of, of all the different kinds of stuff that's out there, like just... space roofies. <laughs> no, I was thinking more like the different sorts of genitals he probably had encountered. Yeah, yeah, he. Yeah, it makes you wonder, like, how he, I mean, he really explored space in a different way than everybody else, you know, because yeah. he's like, I wonder, like, most people would see, like, a, a new alien race and be like, I wonder how they think, but he's over there thinking, I wonder what it tastes like, <laughs> like <laughs> which is really just, like, 
the true exploratory spirit. Man, I think nothing was off limits to him. Even Irish. Oh, people. <laughs> even even the Irish. He'll fuck any alien. Even <laughs> the Irish. Even the Irish. Like I was just like you know I was just like okay that's too far. <laughs> yeah, like, especially Northern Irish, the Protestants. No. Yeah. Like no. What Maris or whatever from Fraser, you know, when he went to that, when he was undercover. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and they had the tube hands. Like, oh, that, I was just like, okay. Mm-hmm. But then, like, then the Irish woman where he's, like, washing her feet. And I was just like, no, you got to stop, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, continuing on in Trek news, uh, according to an article in Red Shirts Always Die, uh, Star Trek Picard will bring back another Star Trek character, perhaps not even from the TNG world. Hmm. So, uh, Terry Maltus, who is one of the producers on Picard, uh, was recently on a podcast and uh, he said, um, quote, and funny enough, there are moments that are because there are some people who come back from Star Trek in the season that aren't just the next gen cast. There's one character who is in next gen who I was like, I really want this character co- to come back. And when they did, that was weirdly more thrilling than anything else in totality. So, hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. Who, who, who do you think they might bring back? Not from TNG. Not from TNG. Uh, I would love to see Quark. I would love to see Quark. Like, interesting fact. So they actually tried to bring Quark into the TNG universe hmm. uh, in that he was scheduled to be in a scene in Insurrection where he oh. tries to convince um, fucking Picard to build timeshares down on the planet <laughs> that he's on, which would have been an amazing scene. And there's like one awesome. production photo that exists of, of uh, Ar- Armin Shimmerman on set wearing like a Ferengi, uh, like, uh, swimsuit. Okay. Yeah. And like, I'm just sad that didn't happen. Cause I mean, insurrection's kind of a mess. Yeah. Anyway. It's not one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just a really long Star Trek episode and they could have used some more levity. I feel it wasn't yeah. a very fun Star Trek. No. Film. Yeah. That's the one where they had the go-karts. Yeah. I, that that or... was like, that was the peak, like, uh, fucking Picard trying to be an action hero. Yeah, he's just like just all ripped. He's just been like mm. pumping iron in the gym, trying to look cool. Yeah, and apparently uh, Data like pled with uh, Rick Berman on that film uh, to be killed off, and yeah, Rick, Rick said, uh, "Well, we'll do it in the next one." And thankfully, he did. But <laughs> yeah. still, like, I mean, he's still coming back. Mm. You know, you know, he just... needs that fucking soon paycheck, dude. Like, that's that's the only way Spiner gets paid. Like, I'm not gonna pay for him to sing at me again. He <laughs> can be. You don't you don't like his memorable character Adam Soong like that was it Adam there was uh, he's had an Adam Soong an Alton Soong a Noonien Soong yeah. and a one more Soong he's been four Soongs like he needs to stop I was actually wondering today I was had a thought mm-hmm. like like you know how like at the end of like season two Picard like he brings out like the Con program yeah and like you know he's like a geneticist I'm wondering if he does something to make his sperm super strong and that every oh. single soon after him has been a clone. Interesting. Like I've been thinking, I was thinking I, about I like that. I like that. So uh, something we discussed on the podcast last week mm-hmm. is uh, a production note that I, I found to be like the funniest thing of all time where Brent Spiner on the set of, um, of Picard season two suggested that uh, maybe soon impregnates Renee Picard and, <laughs> um, and I know. I'm, and I'm wondering if we can film this scene. And so, and so Akiva <laughs> Goldsman uh, said back to him, never say that again. <laughs> Which is like, I don't agree with Akiva Goldsman on many things, but that is amazing. That is gold. Like, I love that. He he did us all a favor there. He really did. That would have been <laughs> creepy. 
I, I, I think that actually would have been really funny. Yeah, it would have been funny, <laughs> but like creepy. It would have yeah. been like everyone would have been like, oh no. Yeah, why? it's like it's like filmed with soft lighting. There's candles and stuff, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like just sixty it's year time old. For soon, soon to do the boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Uh, all right, continuing <laughs> on Trek news. Um, it was announced this week. Uh, they gave an update to Star Trek 4K news. Apparently, they're going to be releasing a uh, a whole new slew of Star Trek films in 4K. Oh, cool! Uh, on September 6th, hmm. uh, including Star Trek: The Motion Picture Director's Cut, nice. Star Trek II: Wrath of Khan, Star Trek III: The Search for Spock, Four: The Voyage Home, Five: The Final Frontier, and Six: The Undiscovered Country. Hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, the TOS movies, like, I love TNG, but I'm not a, the biggest fan of the TNG movies. Yeah, the TOS like, films are generally better, except yeah. for First Contact, I think. I stand by First Contact. Oh, yeah. It doesn't make a ton of sense in the Star Trek universe, no. but it's a pretty sick sci-fi action film. It is, yeah. yeah. Like, the First Contact I like, and, uh, but yeah, like, but I definitely prefer the TOS films and, like, seeing them go on. I mean, yeah, like, uh... You know, as they as they say, like the the even numbered films are good. Yeah, I still really like the odd number films because they're not good, except for three sucks. Yeah, I do not like oh. the search for Spock. It's super boring to me. Yeah, oh yeah, that one sucks. Five I, I... five is great. Oh, five yeah. is so stupid. Like they're like William Shatner's like you got to let me direct a film, and they're like sure, and he <laughs> he fucked everything up, and it's so funny. So you let Nimoy direct one? Why not me? And literally, that's that's the yeah. only reason they let him do it is because <laughs> in his contract he's like, well, anything you let Nimoy do, you got to let me do, and yeah. so they gave him a film, and he fucked it up so <laughs> royally. I love it. What does God need with a starship? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's fucking it's Kirk versus God. Yeah, <laughs> which is like tells you exactly what William Shatner believes in life. Oh, yeah. like he's he's definitely the main character in everything. <laughs> I, that's why I do like I do like generations a lot like generation slaps I, uh, and it, it's its own thing like yeah. you know like it's weird that they couldn't get like anybody back for it except for Scotty yeah well like, I, no one else wanted to work with Shatner yeah because Shatner's a fucking <laughs> asshole yeah it's 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 a fine film it, it's yeah. a it's a good way to end Kirk's chapter I feel yeah I thought... it's not a great chapter in TNG though yeah and so it's 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 its own thing that's why I'm waiting for I think Picard to have his like noble send off like every other cat all the other captains have yeah but he's already died so he can't die again like I mean he can, he, like well, he's like, programmed to die when he naturally he's, dies yeah he's programmed to die I'm like what so it's <laughs> like you can't sense. get disease but you're programmed to die when you naturally die of natural causes I'm like <laughs> what does he die of I, I don't that, understand that was such a waste of an experimental robot body like right it, it, it could have gone like they established they like could have made him fully functional if fully like, functional like they could have just that, that would have been a good way to um make uh james mccovey or what his name is you know you no know, he plays you know um uh professor xavier oh. young professor xavier so he, oh. so he could also play young uh picard they could have put like right right cross yeah, some universes there. cross universe so then like he could just continue it without you know patrick stewart uh they, which they really should. Yeah, like, I, I'd be fine <laughs> if they continued the show Picard without Patrick Stewart at this point. They don't oh, yeah. need him. Like he's no. he's useless and he just makes himself look doddering and like bad <laughs> yeah. with like every fucking scene he's in. <laughs> so like just like a weird sentimental old man who's just like doesn't need to be there. Yeah, you really don't. He's like working through trauma that like has not affected him at all in the past up until now. Like it's weird that he like 
was totally fine with all of this trauma for years. And like, they even talk about Rene yeah. Picard and shit on TNG and he's like fine with it and everything. Mm -hmm. But then suddenly when he turns 80, he's like, I can't fuck this Romulan until <laughs> I get over my mother's suicide. I'm yeah. like, what? And that, they don't, and that, how? And that does contradict like, you know, you know, in the episode we're going to talk about, like, you know, uh, it's related to like the first duty episode where he mm -hmm. talks about like, you know, every Starfleet officer is dedicated to their own personal truths. Mm -hmm. Shouldn't have that his, his mom stuff been no. like him confronting nope. those personal truths. Nope. No, <laughs> no, that makes too much sense, Pat. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I mean that, cause that's totally, yeah. I mean, it's totally against what the card was all about. True. Which is about being buddies with your dying friend. Who's an immortal. Yeah. Or something saving the <laughs> universe from a fucking octopus robot. Yeah. That's what I also didn't understand. Like, I felt like that should have been, you know, how like Q was able to show Picard uh, how he would have been if he hadn't gotten stabbed in the heart. And, and like, you know, but that was a self-contained um, back right. in time thing. Right. And, and that, and that would have completely like saved like all the horrible ramifications of the, of what they did in the past. Right. Because... Exactly. Like, why? <laughs> yeah. It's weird that Q made them do a test by irrevocably like destroying the past and yeah. like, creating a different future. I'm like, why would Q ever do that? And also like he wouldn't. the whole timeline, absolutely. We've gone over the charts. Yeah. The thing with Guinan and everything, it doesn't make fucking sense. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make <laughs> any sense in any universe. And like people keep on, no, but, but see if, uh, if you went back in time, then he never met Q, uh, Guinan in the, with the, with Mark Twain. I'm like, no, no, just stop trying to retcon everything. We can't like, make another Borg that has actually been living in secret this entire time. That's been living on the edge of space. And somehow we have not encountered a peaceful them. Borg, a peaceful yeah. Borg. Yeah. That's in, that's in a flying vagina instead of a cube. Although although I do I do thank them. Originally they were going to call the other Borg the Gerati. Yeah, that would have been awful. That would have been the dumbest <laughs> thing. I would have I would have kicked someone's TV in if that happened. Uh, yeah. Speaking of kicking TVs in, yeah, let's talk about this week's new Star Trek. Hell's your strange new world on the Enterprise with Captain Pine. We'll tell you how it goes And if it blows If it sucks, we'll be screaming Oh boy! New Star Trek this week! Only uh, two more episodes to go in the season after this. Oh, really? Yeah, ten, ten episodes this season. Oh, I thought they were going to do like, uh, you know... Like 26? Like yeah. They, like they used to? No, no, no. This oh. is... No, they're... They, I mean, it, it costs so much to make an episode now. Like, oh, yeah. They're looking at like 8 to $10 million an episode as compared to like what it used to cost them like, you know, 200000 Yeah, just filming in the same cave, the same hallways. Yeah, <laughs> like right. Pretty they, much just... Yeah. Yeah, they got to change sets and shit. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Strange New Worlds this week. Uh, season 1, Episode 8, The Elysian Kingdom. Released today, June 23rd, 2022. This one was uh, written by Akila Cooper who uh, wrote the previous episode, Ghost of Illyria. She also wrote uh, the recent horror film, Malignant, which I recently watched. Oh, it was okay. Yeah. It was fine. She wrote that? that she wrote that. That was, that was insane. Yeah. <laughs> it was a film. It was, it was yeah. It was, it was fine. It was, it was what I'd expect from uh, Justin Wu or whatever, the guy who directed Saw 20 years ago. Yeah. Like, it, a, it was about that. It's fine. It's a fine, like, big horror film. As good as a Siamese twin on the back of your head can be. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, uh, written by her and, uh, on 
An- Anitra Johnson. That's a name. Anitra Johnson. It's her first writing gig, actually. Hmm. Uh, previously, she's been a writer's assistant for Strange New Worlds. So okay. good, good for her, I guess. And uh, directed by Amanda Rowe, who uh, is best known as the writer-director for the television show Nancy Drew. Is that a show? I don't know. That's a show. I've never even seen it no, or heard no, of it. No, no one has. <laughs> no one has. That's why she's writing for Star Trek. Okay, cool. So we open up uh, on the Enterprise flying through space and Chief Medical Officer Mbenga, also known as Lubega. Uh, or cut... Jamis. Uh, sorry? Jamis. Yes. From Dune. Yes, uh, <laughs> he is from Dune as well. Uh, he's cutting a medical officer's log. He says uh, the Enterprise is conducting a routine survey of the Jossine uh, Nebula, and he's bored because there's nothing to do in sickbay. So he's been continuing his own research into saving his daughter, who we remember he's holding in a transport buffer until he can cure her rare disease. Uh, she has little time left, he says. So uh, Rakia, his daughter, uh, asks him to finish a story he's reading, and he tells her she needs to go back into the buffer, but she convinces him to finish the story which seems like some sort of uh, African fairy tale, maybe, about queens and kings in battle. Yeah, it's kind of like a Game of Thrones-ish type yeah. thing. <laughs> she, uh, she stops and, and tells him that she hates this part of the story specifically because she always wishes in the story that the Huntress would help Sir Adya to help rescue the king. Uh, Mbenga tells her the didactic of the story is the king has to choose between his weapon and his princess, so her version of the story would fucking suck. <laughs> um, she says she children knows, don't know anything. About I know them. children are so dumb. It's like don't like children shouldn't be allowed to speak up until a certain age. Yeah. Do you know unless how it's a question? Yeah. Like unless they don't know, and like you should have just closed the book and said like that's awful. I'm putting you back in the buffer. <laughs> you... He's like, uh, yeah, uh, transporter destroy book. <laughs> <laughs> until you come up with some correct takes, you're staying in there. <laughs> Yeah. Who, who do you write for? <laughs> Fucking uh, Akiva Goldsman? <laughs> uh, so she says she knows her story sucks, but wonders what it would be like uh, if they could change the ending. Uh, we need to normalize telling kids that they're wrong mm-hmm. and have bad ideas. Yeah. It's just a thing we need to do as a society. They gotta learn, yeah. Gotta take off the fucking, like, uh, soft gloves here. Just put on some boxing gloves. Yeah, and like, you know, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood just, like, ruined an entire generation. Just right? inspiring people to, yeah. you know, just be open and you know and, uh, and nothing there's no such thing as a bad question or a suggestion and eddie murphy <laughs> brought it back around by creating mr robinson's neighborhood yeah. and uh, you know and encouraging everyone to kill their landlord <laughs> yes which i like, i agree with 100 amazing like prescient leftist thought that, mm-hmm. like kill your landlord like, Chair- chairman robinson yeah, you <laughs> you know that's not what eddie murphy believes he probably owns a bunch of property oh yeah he definitely but, does but like you know, I like I like the the phrase yeah. "kill my landlord." Yeah, it's we all like that. So, um, Mbenga tells uh, his daughter that when she's grown up, she can write her own stories with her own endings, which makes me think that uh, he was saying that saying what we were just saying, but softly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I hope she ends up writing like Shadow the Hedgehog erotic fanfic. I think that'd be good stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, so we see uh, a glimpse of the book that he's reading, and it is written by none other than Benny Russell, mm-hmm. who is uh, Cisco assumed yep. his identity in a, a episode of DS9. Uh, Far Beyond the Stars. Yeah, that's about right. Uh, it was like a 1950s writer and stuff. Um, so he sends his daughter back into the pattern buffer and starts thinking. 
he goes to his research table and starts cooking something up. Maybe meth? I'm not sure. Uh, if the U.S. government was funding the show, it would definitely be inner city crack cocaine. <laughs> um, he, well, as we, you know, as, as we see later, it was most likely LSD. <laughs> probably. It's a research chemical. <laughs> it's a research. Right? It's an, um, so he makes a fucked up research chemical right here, and it, act, uh, and it blows up in his face, and the med bay computer contains it. Uh, like right after it blows up in his face. So right then, Una, number one, drops by to the med bay and asks why the people in an incoming transport haven't been cleared for active duty by the doctor yet. He apologizes for getting lost in his research. He tells her he's not getting any closer to the cure, and she says maybe he's trying too hard. Because if we remember from, like, I think the second episode, like, mm-hmm. Una is the only other person on the ship who knows Mbega is keeping his daughter in the transport buffer. Yeah, I don't know why it has to be such a secret. Because it's using, like, ship resources, yeah. I guess, and, like, you know, it's and it's an old thing. And, yeah, apparently it, it caused a, a security concern in that episode, yeah. but, but, but also they after, fixed it. So. Yeah, but after they, uh, you know, make the power, give it a direct source of power, yeah. like, I feel like it but should the, be, that, like, an open But in the episode, that actually wasn't the problem with it. Yeah. And so, yeah, well, that, that's it. Go listen to that episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. So uh, he apologizes to Una and says his daughter's time is running out and he needs to find a cure in time. Una sympathizes with him but reminds him he's not the only father, or he's not only a father, but also the chief medical officer and he needs to attend to his duties. She tells him to go get some rest and relieves him from duty and uh, to attend to the landing crew when he's feeling better. Mm. Next we go to the bridge! <laughs> go to the bridge. Uh, up on the bridge, Spock is telling Pike that they have deployed all of the uh, data. Bo- uh, I can't ever pronounce it. Bo- Bowies. Oh, Bowie. Yeah. Bowies. Bo- Bowies. Bowies. Data buoys. And the survey of the nebula they're uh, surveying is complete. Mm-hmm. Pike says he could get used to the doldrums of just doing science work without any battles or intrigue. I do like the episodes where they're just doing like routine things yeah and something weird happens something weird yeah Yeah. like because like you know not everything can be like an awesome adventure yeah exactly yeah it shouldn't be an action show like they're an exploratory science vessel like Mm -hmm. they should be doing exploratory science stuff and occasionally battle when they have to yeah yeah so uh spock reminds pike that humans are superstitious of talking about things that are nice out loud lest they might curse them and cause things to go bad uh pike has ortegas set a course for uh, McNair Starbase, which I think is named after Ronald McNair, uh, a black guy who, uh, the only black guy aboard the Challenger who died. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and he says that once they get there, drinks are on him as though they, they pay for been, things. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like everything's free. Yeah. It's a Starbase and they're in Starfleet. It's like the military, like going to the mess hall. You don't pay for fucking food. Yeah. Like I kind of feel like some phrases like that would eventually, like, you know, how like, some phrases that are just so dated they they're completely meaningless to us now like yeah but yeah yeah um so the uh he says hit it and ortegas tries to hit it but the warp drive isn't working and he says again uh, i said hit it and she says i'm hitting it captain but it's not moving <laughs> and it's uh, it's a pretty pretty soy moment not a yeah i mean ortegas is like the source of most of those Unfortunately, yeah, they, they write her and Laon so soy, and I really dislike it. Like, uh, now and then, fine. But it's like everything they say is like a sarcastic quip, and they're so funny, and they're the comic relief. And I'm like, 
why why are they the comic like in every other Star Trek show the comic relief is always a fish out of water yeah and it always works why are they really trying to like change the format here like make fucking Hemmer the comic relief he's a fish out of water he's like unlike everyone else on the ship they do play him yeah a little too serious where he's yeah. like like because he's he's an asshole and you, it only makes you dislike him if he was at least like a, a funny asshole yeah he'd be, he'd be much more likable but... yeah like like the EMH was a funny asshole yeah exactly and like, like yeah. and, and he was yeah like he's one of my favorite characters yeah he's time. a great character yeah. and, and even like Tuvok is a funny asshole yeah funny. sometimes sometimes yeah. Quark, sometimes funny asshole oh yeah uh, Quark's <laughs> just a good businessman yeah yes um and then you got like odo who's just a fascist asshole yes fuck yeah odo. like yeah. yeah fuck odo i mean like i like odo as a character but also fuck that fascist yeah i mean he literally worked for the fascists yeah yeah as a <laughs> collaborator so um the warp drive isn't working so pike calls hammer uh which is i believe his first appearance in the last like three or four episodes he definitely mm. wasn't in the last two yeah which is super weird i uh, everyone's like where's hammer uh, Hammer says, hey, warp core's fine. It's not me. Spock suggests they use impulse thrusters to get out of the gravitational influence before trying to warp again. Hammer agrees, and so they try it. The warp fails again, and uh, Ortegas like, stands up at the helm, and when it fails again, it knocks Ortegas against the helm. I don't know why she stood up except to get knocked down and hurt her head on the helm. That was never resolved either. It wasn't, which is strange. I was going to mention that as well. Like, she gets an injury, and then suddenly she just like never a, has an injury An, an again. injury to her head. Yeah, head injury. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, you know, she, she falls, hits her head, gets knocked out. Pike calls Mbenga to the bridge for help, which is weird because uh, the first in command, or uh, number one, just relieved him of duty. So it's, he, he, he should be calling someone else in medical, right? Yeah. You figure. Yeah, why he was just relieved. He's supposed to be on rest now. I don't I don't get that. Yeah, like was it, where where was Chapel at that time? Yeah. I mean there's a full medical crew on the ship and Mbenga is the only one that can repair a, a, a slight concussion? What? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, without it there would be no story. True. Which <laughs> I mean, so it's bad writing. Is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. So Mbega takes the turbo lift uh, to the bridge, but when he arrives, everybody is dressed in medieval clothing, like in the book he was reading to his daughter. And there's houseplants everywhere. There, and... there are, like, <laughs> vines and houseplants everywhere. Uh, and Mbenga himself is dressed like a king. Mm-hmm. Pike looks like a character in the book and greets uh, him, and Mbenga is like, what the motherfuck is going on in this bitch? Opening I... credits. I gotta say the costuming is costuming fun. is great. Is great. Like, Everyone looks really cool. Yeah, like great, great job on the costuming. But then again, the costuming on the last episode was really cool too. When it was mm-hmm. like the fucking the the pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. But that was stupid. Yeah, that that whole plot line and the reason, like, why did they all look like dirty pirates? I still don't understand. Yeah, like they like yeah like the inside of their pirate ship looked like it was just covered in filth. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> like they they have they have like fucking subspace warp drives but they don't have one <laughs> sonic shower in this entire fucking ship like yeah. you know they're pirates they're dirty so open, opening credits on this episode uh, come at uh, 8 minutes and 39 seconds is the cold mm. open which is uh, about, again about average it's uh, it's a little lighter than some of them we've gone up to like 15 minutes or something so it was yeah. uh, welcome to get a kind of a shorter intro here mm-hmm. yeah so we go back and back on the bridge Mbenga uh, tells Pike who is now, uh, no, he's not Sir IJ. He's someone else. So he tells Pike, who is... Uh, he's a Roth. A Roth, yeah. Roth. 
Um, so he tells Pike as Rolf uh, that he came to see Ortegas, and uh, he has no idea what Pike is talking about. But then Pike introduces Ortegas as Sir Adya. Uh, it should be noted that the insignia on Pike's jacket is an upside-down star somewhat reminiscent of the Terran Empire insignia, mm. which I noted but never came to fruition at all. Well, I guess he does kind of go turncoat. Yeah, he's a little mirror-ish here. Yeah. He's very unlike Pike. Cause, yeah, like, he's it, this is definitely Cuck Pike. Yeah. Like, De- they, the writers were just like, okay, everyone's like slobbering over this big hunk of man meat. Mm-hmm. Like, his hair is too cool. He's too muscular. He's too, like, take charge. He's so. too likable. He's too likable. Like, he's testing too high with everyone. Yeah. Like, we got to bring him down a notch. We got to like, make his hair awful. He's got to like, look really bad. <laughs> they were like, yeah, we got to make Pike a fucking pussy for just one episode this mm-hmm. season. And this is the episode. This is the episode we get. Yeah. It's like, you know, just before everyone just, like, loses their minds and mm. goes into, like, a orgasmic fury in oh, the streets. We hope so. <laughs> so, Benga asks why things uh, on the ship are like the book. And if this is a joke, and Pike tells him if he wants jokes, he can summon the jester, mm-hmm. uh, which I think would obviously be Hammer. Hammer would be the greatest jester. He would. Um, he'd be like funny and deadpan. He'd be like a British jester, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They could just like throw things at him. Oh, yeah. Well, but Something then he, a... he catches things. He's a, he, remember he cut the. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, Spock threw the carrot at him or whatever. Oh, yeah. Because he's, he's all, he has all of his other senses yeah. heightened because he's blind. Oh. A bummer. Uh, so, um, Menga tells them that they're all dressed like characters from the book, and Ortegas is Sir Adya, Pike is Sir Amon Roth, the king's loyal chamberlain, or chamber pot sometimes, if he, uh, <laughs> if he requests it, if you know if, what I mean. If, if you're nasty. Uh, plus, I'm hungry for shit. <laughs> Uh, everybody <laughs> thinks Mbenga is off his fucking rocker, and Pike tells him maybe he should sit down, mm-hmm. and refers to him as King Ridley. So, Pike tells Mbenga as King Ridley that maybe he's thirsty, and tries to give him a glass of wine that's just sitting there on the table. Um, Ortegas, as Saradia says, the king shall drink nothing I haven't tasted first, and takes a sip of the wine. Uh, they have a dumb moment of contention between them, and it's fairly... I always felt like in like in those times, like in medieval times, like there it wasn't just like a knight that tried the wine. It was a, there was like designated wine tester to test for poison. Right. Like right. it wouldn't just be like, oh, you're my best knight, like test this for poison. <laughs> yeah, like you're you're a great fighter, so maybe you should also uh, maybe maybe your body's good at fighting poison. I guess. Yeah. I don't know, well, who knows? Yeah, kill yourself and take you out of my employ. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> So Mbenga asks the computer if there are any abnormal readings on the bridge, and the computer doesn't respond immediately. Ortegas says he obviously means the oracle, not the computer. And the computer scans all systems as normal. So it's weird that, like, some things are working here, some things really aren't. Like, the the ship kind of works, but not really. Mm-hmm. Like, they can't, like, just request, like, a beam or anything like that, and... It's really strange. Yeah, I was I, at first. I was like wondering why. I mean, it, it makes sense later, but I was mm-hmm. just like, it should have. Like, I was thinking at first, like, why isn't this just in a castle? Right. Like, why is it like they just put a bunch of like Rin Fair stuff in a? <laughs> I mean, they, they, they couldn't just, afford another set. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. eight million dollars an episode. <laughs> yeah. and they they spent so much money on Pike's hair this episode, they're, restructuring it. So. Yeah, they're riding on fumes at this point. Yeah, they are. 
Fucking dilithium fumes. <laughs> um, so Mbenga then wonders if maybe the chemical he accidentally made earlier is causing him to hallucinate, and uh, then he heads towards Sick Bay to check it out. Uh, Pike asks where this bay is and uh, if he might need to commandeer a ship. Uh, hmm. Pike refers to a mysterious fog that has engulfed the entire system around them. And it's obviously he's talking about the nebula they're in, uh, which they call poisonous air. Mm. Uh, Ortegas postulates that it's a curse by the by Queen Nev, and that sorcery is cowardice compared to sword fighting. Pike is then like, huh, really? <laughs> and like a delivery that I'm just like, I like you, Anson Mount, but shut the fuck up. I know. I, I loved him chewing the scenes. I know. This. And, and you, you were saying that the entire episode. <laughs> and like, uh, I am diametrically opposed to that. You like, I really like Anson Mount. I like him as Pike. He like, he was so, he was too hammy in this episode. Like yeah. there's, there's such fun as having fun with it and mm-hmm. just like being ridiculous. <laughs> and he took off the rails for this. Oh show. yeah. He, he was, he was totally off the rails, but yeah. I loved it. I loved every minute. That's, that's fair. You're, you're <laughs> entitled to that opinion and I yep. hate it. Uh, I don't <laughs> fuck that opinion. Um, so Mbenga, uh, then moves to leave the bridge and they ask where he's going. He says he's going to medical, uh, he's getting a medical er a magical device called mm-hmm. a tricorder and tells both Pike and Ortegas to stay put. But also don't they have like doctors? They have wizards. Oh, I mean like, but there was like during those times they did have like, like a guy, didn't they? It's, it's <laughs> a magic called science. <laughs> yeah. It's a magic called science. We'll, we'll get there. <laughs> so, uh, Mbenga walks through the halls and they're covered in flora and vines. Like, like fake ones from like a home goods store. Yeah. Probably from home goods specifically. Yeah. It definitely looked like they just took all the plastic plants that they had at a home depot or something. And were just mm-hmm. like, all right, well this is the set. Yeah. This is our <laughs> castle. Um, so everybody in the hallway is bound to him as King. And at this moment I'm like, why doesn't he like take a moment to enjoy being Kim? Like, like this is there to his fealty. Like he can like probably like fuck anyone he wants. Right. I mean and, like in, in the consent in his kingdom is like, I mean, dicey, right? <laughs> uh, but when it's his kingdom, it's like, you know, yeah. you know, I don't know. I don't know if I know. <laughs> you know, the implications. Yeah, because, <laughs> I mean, they're out on this 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 castle in a starship all alone. So it's. Uh, <laughs> well, he's. Mbinga he, is too honorable of a man to do. Too honorable. Yeah. Well, that's a bummer. Um, <laughs> so. So he gets to sick bay and uh, it's now like a witch's den kind of. And uh, Nurse Chapel is there and she looks exactly like the uh, the trad wife meme. She does. She looks yeah. exa- she's wearing like that exact same thing and her hair is like done up like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he scans himself and he uh, yeah, scan- What Sorry. was her job? Like yeah, was like uh, in the what yeah, was she a witch? It never said, I don't think. I never, yeah, I, 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 I don't I, think I, it ever really said like her name or what she was doing there. She was just like, mm. I don't know, the King's region. I, I don't know. Um, mm. So uh, he scans himself and he finds that he is perfectly healthy and not hallucinating or anything. So Chapel then tries to examine him with her energy, she says, and finds he has so much pain it weighs down his spirit. So maybe she is supposed to be like a witch or something. Yeah. She's just running on vibes, just like, feel you're sad. Yeah. 
Uh, vibes, yeah. <laughs> do they have a vibe scanner in Star Trek? Do you, do you think a, tr- scan, a tricorder can scan for vibes? I mean, I'm, it's the future, so it's like, dude, your vibes are fucked right yeah. now. Like, <laughs> and like the only reason Riker's still on the ship is because he always has posy vibes. Yeah, it's like Riker, you're still horny. Like, <laughs> you've been at work for 16 hours pulling a double shift, man. And he's go like, go spend some time. You're, you're, yeah, go spend some mandatory time in the hollow suite with Minuet or something. <laughs> <laughs> Go to the jazz lounge again. Go to the jazz. Go lounge. to the jazz lounge. Got to work through some stuff. <laughs> Blondes and jazz don't mix. <laughs> and then they scan him like it's, it's it's more. How <laughs> he has more cum than before. <laughs> How does that happen? Oh, he not all so much. Not all of it's his. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> which which brings me to a question. Um, I, I think I asked this on Twitter. So if you're in the holodeck and you have mm-hmm. sex with like a hol- a hologram, right? Mm-hmm. And you blow just a fat, sticky load right inside, huh? Mm-hmm. You f- fucking cream pie the shit out of that. When you end the holodeck program, where's your cum? Then they, I think, um, then they address that in an episode. Like I know they had it in Lower Decks one, uh, in, a, in a Lower Decks episode where they, Lower Decks, uh, they had to clean out the, the uh, what do they call them? Uh, but it was just like I guess the filters. And mm. they just pulled out this stinky thing out of the out of the holodeck wall that just like okay I, I didn't a, I haven't seen that episode. oh yeah I guess it all just collects in that well, that would make sense I mean especially with like a guy like Barclay and Jordy LaForge on your ship oh like, yeah there's all sorts of weird stuff getting in that God, filter I would I would not want to go in there like it must stink like a uh, like one of those like porno theaters like a hockey <laughs> locker room <laughs> yeah, just, just like, like, old man ball sweat just like just yeah just like one of those like video places where you go and just like crank one out and just like just stinks everything's gross have you have you ever cranked one out in one of those porn booths i haven't me neither i've never been in one of those porn booths oh. field trip for, for, yeah, for, for service so i trek field trip so i trek field trip <laughs> we, should, we should get a zoom recorder and record an entire podcast in one of those booths yeah they're like what are those guys doing <laughs> so could i get some more quarters yeah, we're, I, not, yeah. we're not done recording <laughs> Need more more quarters here and a sponge or something. Uh, I need more uh, tricorders. <laughs> need more tricorders. Uh, Mbenga scans Chapel and finds that her dopamine levels are highly elevated. Ortegas then appears and says, although he said not to follow him, Princess Talia insisted, who turns out to be La'on with a small dog. Mm-hmm. And I love her, that little her dog. Titties like pushed way up. She's got the push up, push upest bra I've ever seen. The titties in this episode that, were they they went hard on the dresses with crazy titties. Oh my god! Like, we'll we'll get into titty territory oh. later. I mean, like Laon is only the tip of the titty. Oh episode. yeah, she's like, she's 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 packing, but not not like I'm surprised they didn't give like Una because we know Rebecca Romaine got some titties. Yeah, they didn't give her like Mm-mm. you know number twos. No. Uh, number D's. You know. Hers were more reserved. They knew they had to, you know, bring those out at a later date. You know? Yeah, true. I mean, yeah, they're probably saving that for the finale. Yeah. Ho- hopefully. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. Laon claims Queen Nev has invaded her kingdom due to her obsession with the Mercury Stone. And her Crimson Guard captured her throne and imprisoned her subjects. Her performance sucks, and I hate it. <laughs> and her dog's name is Runa. Yeah, and I could see what they were doing there. Like they were just, you know, she was playing against her type. She yeah. Was, well, the thing is, they they made this like a Shakespearean melodrama type thing, mm-hmm. and it was like, I mean, some of the performances were fine, but yeah. a lot of them just fell flat, and like everyone acted out of character. Which yeah. I like the episodes where 
things get weird and like mm-hmm. one person is like the only sane person on there but it's like yeah. i don't know they i didn't love how they played this like our man bashir yeah when, yeah yeah when, but that was on the holodeck yeah and, and there was a lot of things that went into that like the transport buffer was they yeah. had to divert systems from the transport mm-hmm. buffer in order to keep the away team in there. But Avery Brooks was chewing the scenes in that too, when he was like the villain. Like it was, yeah. Well, so is Cole Meany. Yeah. Everyone in that episode is like amazingly like corny, but it makes sense. Yeah. In in that, I don't know. Yeah. He's a little spy melodrama thing that he was. But then again, it's, it's a holodeck program though. So they're like, you know, acting along. I mean, this is a child's book that they're doing. So this is, which I mean, I don't love the explanation of how it works out, but whatever. But what is like? Is, what is the? Is it? Is it a child's book specifically, or is it like yeah. one of those all ages? I think it's a child's. I mean, it, yeah. it has illustrations. Oh like yeah, full page illustrations. So, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know, um, it could be like a, a book on you know Joe Rogan recommends or something. <laughs> I think he only reads picture books. <laughs> so, um, uh, Mbenga scans uh, Laon. And uh, she's looking very confused. Her eyes are darting back and forth. It's a really bad performance, really yeah. hammy. She's like, uh, what are you doing? Yeah, he says, um, uh, it's not the Mercury Stone. And Laon gets excited that it might be another weapon at his disposal, his, his scanner. But she, but he's using it on her. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, who used the weapon on me? Yeah. <laughs> so I, li- I like the pain. <laughs> Uh, Laon is being a dipshit and Chapo leans in to ask what her dopamine levels are in an attempt at comedy that was very soy. And you know what? I'm actually probably going to give this moment my soy. It was so, so written. Mm-hmm. It was such a joke that was fucking shoehorned directly in. And like the way Chapel leans in from off screen and everything, I was yeah. just like, this is, this is a very poorly delivered joke. And like whoever is directing this has never directed comedy before. <laughs> Ever. No. It's obvious. Yeah, um, the timing is kind of, but, you know, yeah. I think Chapel can get away with anything, in my opinion. Uh, she can get away with a lot, but not being unfunny. <laughs> um, um, so, uh, Ortegas agrees with the princess about using the power of the Mercury Stone and offers to lead an attack against the Crimson Guard, and their heads will roll. Mbenga says that they should refrain from any unnecessary head chopping. And Laon says, that's disappointing. Whatever. (laughs) At this point, we hear Hammer, who is being dragged by the Crimson Guard and being treated as a wizard in captivity. He is apparently the only person besides Mbenga who is not in storybook mode and claims he is not a wizard, but in fact the chief engineer, Mm -hmm. which they don't believe. Uh, Laon interrupts the Crimson Guard and says, King Ridley, who is Mbenga, is here to strike fear in their hearts. Mbenga then steps up and tells them to release Caster the Wizard, who he kind of makes a wild guess at at once, uh, remembering a page in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, the Crimson Guard says they don't answer to a false king unless he would give them the Mercury Stone. Mbenga then cites that the Letter of Accords says this ground is neutral territory by royal agreement. Crimson Guard responds and says, Queen Nev no longer acknowledges the Letter of Accords, and they take Hammer away. Okay, that works. That whole scene was fine. Ortega suggests that they now release the Stone's power. Uh, Which, (laughs) what do you think the Stone's power is? I mean, hmm. They don't really go into, like, the... 
the power stone. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, do you think it's just a rock that they throw at people and <laughs> like hurts or like, do you think it's like a big crack rock they smoke? I mean, seeing that, you know, he's probably doing power stone, you know, when he was doing that little thing, that's what sent him into there. Yeah. Free basin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> free basin power stone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yes. Um, so uh, Ortega suggests that they release the stone power, and Mbenga says he doesn't actually have the stone, but he says that Castor, the wizard, who is Hammer, knows where it is and that they must rescue him. So we go to the war room, and Pike is explaining where Hammer is being held in a dungeon surrounded by the Queen's most powerful guards. Yeah, they're pretty much playing like Warhammer and D&D there. Yeah, this is definitely Warhammer. They're doing the battle map shit. Yeah. Uh, Laon convinces, or tries to convince Mbenga not to go, and uh, Pike tries to urge diplomacy instead of a battle. Uh, but Ortega is ready to kill. Mm-hmm. And says something about her fucking sword, which has a dumb name. And, uh, Starfall. Starfall. And uh, Pike's like, what a dumb name for a sword. <laughs> and I'm like, ugh. I don't know. I think Starfall's a pretty badass name. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a badass name, but that, that scene with... Uh, yeah. The, the contention here is, like, so forced and dumb. <laughs> like, attempting to be funny. And I'm like, nah. So Mbenga says that they'll try diplomacy instead of a battle. But if that doesn't work, then they'll get to cut something in half. Ortegas thanks him. And then the Starfall line comes, and there's a squabble, and it's pretty soy. <laughs> Mbenga says Laon should stay there with her dog. She agrees and says if he falls, she will sing an epic song of <laughs> morning. Which, actually, that's the worst. That, that was the that was soy. pretty bad. That was really bad. It was like, they, they were just like, we need 20 more seconds in this episode. Why don't we make a joke that like everyone's gonna hate? Oh yeah, and that that's and up that's, that's it. And pretty much at this point, I was thinking the dog Runa was going to be Una. That'd be amazing. Actually. Like, cause it, cause cause Runa sounds like if a dog were to say it, like Runa, <laughs> <laughs> it's Runa, Rorschach <laughs> Enterprise. <laughs> but sadly, that did not that not happen. Yeah. Spoiler. Uh, zoink, Scoob. He's not the real king. He's a false king. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, the fucking Laon trying to sing here. Definitely most soy part of the episode. It is a big fucking slice of tofu. Yes. Unfried. Silken. I sometimes wonder with these episodes, like, where they really play against type. It's like the actors, like, going up to the producers and being like, look. I can sing because you know, like you know, when they did the holodeck stuff with Data, when he was just like right. acting, like because you know, he's Prince Miner's just like I'm, take, I'm a pretty funny guy. Take off my leash, coach. I'll show you what I can <laughs> yeah, do. Yeah. Like, and I'm sure Lon was just like, look, I love singing. If you can just work that into the plot somehow, like how uh, we'll let you sing, but it has to be the worst line <laughs> in this entire season. Yeah, he's like, eh, okay, okay, all right. I mean, no one likes my character yet, so. <laughs> Why change that? Um, yeah. So, Mbenga says they should... Give uh, him a reason to. Mbenga <laughs> says they should go, and Pike tries to chicken out, but Mbenga yells at him, and they end up going. They're going through the hall, and Ortegas detects a suspicious presence, draws her sword, and tells whoever it is to show themselves... And guess who it is? It's Spock dressed as Aragorn or a member of like Rhapsody of Fire, some power metal band. Yeah. Um, but they call him Pollux the Wizard. 
That's an awful name. It, yeah, maybe I'm like, <laughs> is that supposed to be like chicken, the wizard? It's, like yeah, Koyo? It, it almost sounds like some sort of like like uh, like skin disease that like boils. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, they got Pollux. Yeah. And like every time they said his name, I got kind of like, Ugh. God. Uh, <laughs> Riker didn't use a condom. He gave me the <laughs> anal gave Pollux. Me Pollux. <laughs> Damn it, Riker. He, he gave me the wizard Pollux. It's like, att- attention Starfleet officers. The Enterprise is now on quarantine. <laughs> There's a severe case of Pollux. <laughs> if, you, if you have sucked Riker's dick in the last uh, four star dates, please report to sickbay immediately. Immediately. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> they solve it just by shooting them out the airlock. <laughs> There's no solving Pollux. <laughs> fucking uh, transport all the herpes off of me. (laughs) They, uh, so they tell Pollux the wizard, uh, that they're looking for the wizard caster and Spock says it's a fool's errand since they'll have to cross the swamp of infinite deaths to get there. Uh, Pike says, Oh, that's not a good swamp with a very soy face and a soy display of attempted soy comedy. Yeah. I feel like Joss Wheaton, Wheaton like wrote this episode and it's, Josh Whedon and his dialogue have been a disaster for a human for the human race. They really have. They, I mean, the, 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 yeah, this is somewhere in between like the J.J. Abrams and the Joss Whedonism of yeah. Star Trek, and I don't like of pretty much all media. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, like everything is just sarcastic and like tongue in cheek, and like, oh shucks, that just happened. <laughs> yeah, they can't let anything like actually land. Like, like it has to be instantly met and yeah. and 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 just. But no, like they, they have to dissolve the gravity of any situation immediately yeah. by like addressing the situation in the fourth wall. And I'm like, why do you need to do that? You don't, you can just have a serious episode. Yeah. You can do that. And they've done that. And I like that. But mm-hmm. like, like there was uh, one episode, a couple episodes ago that literally had no jokes at all. Yeah. And I was like, I think I might be the Gorn one, wasn't it? Yeah. I think, I think yeah. that might've been. And it was like, Hey, fuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We love that. That's yeah. great. Um, so. Menga says Spock should help them because the wizard caster is the wizard Pollux's brother. Everyone seems surprised that Mbenga knows this, but he says he read it in a book. <laughs> Which I'm like, I, that, that works for me actually. For me, that would, that would create more questions than answers. That's true. <laughs> I'd be like, what book? And Wait, be someone like, wrote a book about me. What are you talking about? Oh, it was this book that was written in the 1950s <laughs> by a guy who was like, whose body was inhabited by a fucking, <laughs> uh, space station captain and it was like <laughs> he explains the entire trek lore and they're like all right we need to get you to sick bay you're not well <laughs> like, what the fuck guy um mbenga promises to free caster if spock gets them through the swamp spock says there's a secret way around the swamp mm. a dark way oh. mm-hmm. <laughs> he takes them to a jeffrey's tube and ortegas asks if they can trust him Benga says they can't trust him, but it's the only way to get to Caster. Yeah, do they address that? Uh, or? No. <laughs> he leads them to Queen Nev's throne room. And Queen Nev is none other than Ahura in like this Ice Queen dress. And she is smoking oh fucking hot. God, she is, Her titties are pushed <laughs> up to her chin. And holy moly, it's looking good. I was losing it. 
Yeah. No, I was I was a big I actually wrote it in my notes and I'm glad you you were immediately like, whoa. And I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. It's not just it's not just I'm a pervert, it's we're a pervert. Yeah, it's, we uh, are perverts. Yes. Uh you're in good company. <laughs> so um Pike says that he knew he should have stayed in the castle and it's always safer at home, and then slaps his own wrist and says, ow, in the pussiest moment <laughs> Pike has ever been in. And I was just like, God damn it. I mean, I loved it. I loved yeah, it. Yeah, which you, you have every right to. Like, yeah. he's, he's breaking character, which I, I would have accepted in some situations. And this, I'm just like, Anson Mount is, like, great at chewing up scenery and doing mm-hmm. what he does. I just don't like all <laughs> of these decisions. Like, yeah, it, what, what he's doing is a lot of decisions and a voice and the voice is fine, but the decisions are, <laughs> I did like a lot of the faces where he's just like, you know, <laughs> it's so, and maybe that's, maybe they were like, okay, so everyone likes you, uh, listen to this, this, this fucking obscure star Trek podcast, everything <laughs> that they hate on this, on this podcast, do that, do, do yeah, that, do, do that. that. Please. <laughs> you too, Laon. We, yeah. you do it every episode, but keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> The queen welcomes the king uh, and demands the mercury stone immediately. She says her torturers will get it out of him and says they're very thorough. They look everywhere. Oh, shit. Some TSA shit up in there. Yeah. Like, I mean, if Queen Nev offered to like put her hand up my butthole, uh, I would 100%. <laughs> I'd be like, I don't usually do the whole hand, but you know, you've got really petite hands and big titties. So do you want to do it here in front of everybody? Yes, or like <laughs> I mean, or we can go a little bit somewhere <laughs> private. <laughs> yeah. Good old prostate massage. So, um maybe the mercury stone is the prostate after all. You ever think of that? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah just like a little little button. A little, little cum button. <laughs> a little cum button. Uh, the cum badge for cum. <laughs> beep beep. <laughs> I mean, Mercury is kind of just like, kind of like the the prostate of the sun. This <laughs> is right there. What? <laughs> I mean, I, I love that analogy. That's that's some real profound like Michio Kiku shit right there. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm just I'm just I'm just rolling with it. I'm just like <laughs> Mercury is the prostate of the sun. You heard it here first. It's official. That's science, baby. Science rocks. Science rules. Uh, that's I fucking love science. Yeah. That's the power of science, well, well, everybody. Me. We will get into that. Um, <laughs> so Spock says uh, they can now join Caster by joining him in the dungeon. <laughs> he like declares this so loudly. No subtext whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, go to commercial break. We come back and Pike is being a pussy as usual in a cage. He's slapping the bars. Yeah, he's like, yeah, we're in the, we're in the cage. <laughs> Not like the last episode uh, where they served him gruel through the bars and got the gruel all over the bars. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we, oh, yeah. That's, that's weird to have two episodes in a row where he's in a jail. I mean, jails are, they're, you know, punitive justice is yeah. a thing in the Federation that they don't really talk about. But. Mm-hmm. You know, in car- there is no carceral reform in the Federation. And no. Maybe we should get into this now. The uh, the prison state that is the Federation. I mean, there is obviously... so. There's Australia. I mean, yeah, they, they never really address it 100%, but they do... I mean, the Federation is known to have prison colonies and, like, prison substations, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they obviously, on every single starship, they have a brig that is, you know, basically a room that you are trapped in. 
and it's also to do. yeah, it's completely bare and mm-hmm. just featureless, which I feel is is not great cursorial justice at all. No. Like, you don't put prison prisoners in a room with and they no don't privacy. Even have a fucking toilet and no privacy, no privacy. Yeah, yeah, they don't have a toilet, no privacy. It's like, and so this is obviously punitive justice in a holding mm-hmm. cell. Like, yeah, like in the you know, it's dehumanizing because yeah, you can't like. You can't there. There's no. There's like a like a flat bed, but no like sheets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no toilet. No toilet. But yeah. I think maybe like maybe the toilet comes out of the. I mean, they haven't really addressed pooping in Star Trek. Yeah, and I, I've I've <laughs> talked about this at yeah. length. Like, and I yeah. Um, but yeah, but maybe it comes out the wall or something. But still, like, there's maybe, maybe they're expected to like poop in the bed. Maybe everyone poops the bed in Star Trek. In the future, that's how we get warp they drive. Just, they just go. Everyone stops caring about pooping in toilets, and we put the toilet energy into mm-hmm. warp drive energy. <laughs> they just go on the floor, and they're like, uh, "O'Brien, there's another, there's another, there's another thing we need you to to take care of." He's like, "Transporter." Uh, <laughs> and he's just like, he just pulls a lever, and he goes. <laughs> That's, that's what the Jeffries tubes are for. Is they're all sewage. Yeah, it just packs in somewhere. And, well, like also, like, I mean, they address that in Discovery. Like the poop is what they what they put back into the replicators to make food. Yeah, well, that that's so Discovery era though is when they only have food replicators. But no, oh, well, this is um right. Th- th- well, this is like um in the future when they're in there in the air. Right, because uh, don't they? Yeah, I, I thought they in the other Star Treks they just use like matter that they basically run into in space. There's yeah, a reclamation, but they also have waste reclamation on DS9, mm-hmm. which they never really address what that's all about. Yeah, um, yeah, I've I've actually looked looked deeply into <laughs> the politics of pooping in Star Trek. It's something that fascinates me because like you're on a list now because of all the things that you've been Googling. Just like Ronald D. Moore's uh, direct email list. Thank you very much. <laughs> the D stands for dump. It's like, oh, this guy's Googling some very concerning things about poop. <laughs> Ronald D. Moore, he's known uh, in Star Trek as the Klingon guy and the poop guy. And the poop guy. It's, um, <laughs> so, uh, they're in the jail cell now, and Mbenga talks with Hemmer, and they determine that they're the only two people on the ship who have not been affected by storytime theater. Mm-hmm. Or the, uh, it's more like the, um, the Kingdom of Make-Believe from Mr. Rogers, going back to that. It is. They yeah. should, they should, yeah, that would have been nice to have some puppets at some point. Oh, dude, puppets on Star Trek would, ro- imagine like a crossover with like a couple Muppets on Star Trek, that would fucking rule. Yeah, like there's like an entire alien race that's just like, or, or if in this episode, <laughs> if everyone but Mbenga turned into a puppet, <laughs> like, I would have bought it a lot well, more, except, except then we wouldn't have gotten titties. So. No. Well, didn't they address recently that there's going to be some sort of crossover stuff what? with it? Didn't no. they? Oh, I could have sworn that I heard something. I think you're, or maybe about, I'm thinking of Star Wars or something. Probably, yeah, because yeah, uh, yeah, that wouldn't be possible because Disney owns both Star Wars and uh, the Muppets, and yeah. I don't think they do anything with CBS. No, yet slash Paramount. Yeah, until they buy CBS Paramount, which Wait, is a couple years away, probably. You know, I had a really disturbing thought the other day. Yeah, I, about I Disney. know. I know you have disturbing <laughs> thoughts every day, Pat. <laughs> well, about Di- I know you. <laughs> well, specifically about Disney, like. Yeah. I think, like, I can only imagine, like, when people our age get old, mm-hmm. like, you know, Disney's, like, you know, they have a hundred-year plan. So, like, they're trying to think of how they can get, like, you know, a million dollars from every single human soul that exists. Which is insane. And you're not, you're not exaggerating. Yeah. Like, like, over, people spend a lot on entertainment. Yeah. People don't realize that. Like, you Especially. spend over your lifetime probably like 10 to 20% of what you make on some sort of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Whether it be, like, the toys or, like, mm-hmm. seeing it or... 
or you know, like you know, and then just recently, you know, they had like the Star Wars hotel type thing that and failed. So, that failed. I love how it but, failed. Yeah, but I'm thinking like when we get old, mm-hmm. there's going to be Star Wars, Harry Potter, um, Marvel themed hospices <laughs> <laughs> so, so like so like there's going to be like the star wars experience hospice and so like where you go and then there's it's like, like <laughs> all right mr farfield it's time to eat your uh, tony stark mashed peas yeah. <laughs> and so you're just gonna be like a... oh i love that iron man i love who played him again <laughs> so it's just like but i don't know the None of the workers know. Like by that point, they've reached fandom fatigue. So they're just like, I don't know, man. Just eat the damn fucking piece. (laughs) But yeah, just like imagining like these Star Wars hospice events, and eventually Star Trek hospice events because they'll eventually be absorbed into the Disney family. So that 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 is the ultimate like purgatory hellscape. Is the fucking like. Dying in a Star Trek hospice surrounded by like complete strangers. And just, just like Glup, Glup Shitto and, <laughs> and Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> just like, but, that, but I think that would be like a... W- Watto. Uh, Watto. <laughs> be the, hey, you're gonna die, you dumb piece of shit. <laughs> but just like, just like actors and like hospital staff dressed as these people. And it's like, it's a really shitty Watto costume with like a fake rubber nose. <laughs> Darth Vader comes into your room. <laughs> It is time <laughs> it is for t- dinner. <laughs> it is t- it's time for your sponge bath. <laughs> then, but that- all the caretakers dress up as fucking Admiral Akbar. It's a bath. It's a bath. <laughs> <laughs> this is like I don't know. I I think it'd be horrible, but I think people would love that. Oh yeah, there'd be so many. Like I, so um. It used to be that, like, just Disney adults bothered me. Yeah. But it's come to a point where I think Star Wars adults are worse. Yes, they are. Because because I, I feel like Star Wars has gotten objectively worse in quality than Disney has overall. Oh, yeah. And so if you're still a big fanboy for Star Wars, you're a bigger idiot than a fucking Disney fanboy. Oh, yeah. Like, I would just want to throw Baby Gorbo over, <laughs> over a cliff or something. Like, just... I'm like I it, like I can't watch any any of the new things. Like I'm just like I've I didn't I didn't hate Obi Wan. Obi Wan was fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm not Obi Wan uh, except for I liked the first season of Mandalorian. Didn't love the second season. Mm-hmm. Didn't really like Boba Fett that much. There was like a couple episodes I thought were great, but overall, especially when they like made the second half of the season like Mandalorian season yeah. two point five, I was like. Just, just make that the Mandalorian. What the yeah. fuck are you doing? I think the first season of the Mandalorian was good because I did watch yeah, it was, that. It was good, good. Yeah, but I, I liked think, it a lot. I think except for the fucking Luke Skywalker. Oh yeah, fake was dog shit. But I think it's that was because like pretty much all the plots were directly lifted from like westerns and samurai. Yeah, yeah exactly. Movies. Which which was awesome, and they like made it a totally new thing. And then yeah. now they're just kind of going back to Star Wars. Although Obi Wan like was pretty good. It was like it felt kind of cheap, which I liked. Yeah. Like they, they definitely cut corners, which I kind of liked how they did. Cause it gave me a original star Wars feeling. Cause they obviously cut a lot of corners there. Mm-hmm. It was, it was kind of fun, but yeah. uh, maybe we'll get into that. now. But back to star Trek. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> um, Mbenga uh, is talking with hammer and, uh, Mbenga tells him that they're in a children's book called the Elysian kingdom or take his pipes in and asks about the location of the mercury stone. Mbenga says in the book, the King and Castor find it together. So Mbenga and Hammer must find it together. But neither has any idea where it is. 
Hammer says he was unaffected because his years of telepathic training helped him feel a consciousness press up against his own, if you know what I mean. Mm. But uh, he was able to reject it. But it was pushing his brain out of his ear, out of his nose. Oh, yes. Uh, he, he suggests <laughs> the entity or consciousness he sensed might have pulled the story from Mbenga's mind. Mbenga asks if Hemmer can contact the entity again, and he says he doesn't want to because it felt like his brain was being squeezed through his nose, as you mm-hmm. said. To which Ortegas responds, I did that to a man once. <laughs> which was a joke I didn't hate, actually. It was oh. fine. It was fine. It is, it is funny thinking about her just like, <laughs> doing yeah. that to some guy yeah um do you, do you think she like just gave him like a lobotomy basically yeah just yeah. doing like the egyptian thing yeah, yeah. yeah. mummifying him mummifying him that's that's kinky as fuck yeah, yeah. mummy fetish yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what are you doing step mummy <laughs> what are you doing step mummy um so hemmer says he sensed the entity was part of the nebula they were scanning uh, they decided to try to get to engineering to scan the entity for more answers Hammer says he can get them out of there with a powerful magic called science. Mm. He then pulls out this mini cutting torch and cuts a metal lock. That looked like a um, home pregnancy test. It was either a home pregnancy test or like a weed vape. Oh, yeah. It was just it was just that actor's like... Yeah, it was like, uh, what do we use for the tool? Uh, the, this is the prop you gave uh, me. Yeah. <laughs> um, just, just it helps me get through this episode. So... It didn't help me get through that. No. So uh, he cuts the lock and Ortegas is like, not bad, wizard. I like this science. science. Which uh, harken back to me, the discovery line, science fucking rules. Yeah. Uh, like, I feel like science at this point is just like a meaningless catchphrase. It it's is. Just, like, it doesn't like science. Like, and, and honestly, like, c- could these writers like maybe be a little more self-aware? It's, it's like, it's like them, like, inserting a neoliberal character named Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> like fucking like the conservatives who hate the show for being too woke are like they they mock neoliberals for being like facts and science, yeah. you know, and, and do that shit. It's like Yeah, it's, woke woke too, I think is a meaningless criticism. It's, it's too. completely meaningless because everyone uses it like it can mean either actually leftist or it can mean neoliberal, which is it can mean a right. woman with purple hair. Yeah. It, it can Or mean, what it usually means is black person yeah it means it <laughs> woke literally means anything except for straight white male yeah um, and, and it's and but yeah and then then and what you know that anything with any sort of like political slant which is like impossible to do like something's everything gonna ha- is political yeah everything's political like unless you like count in you know and then like the only things that aren't woke are like you know i don't know if you saw the tomorrow war with chris pratt no <laughs> it is fucking garbage but it's just like it's just like totally meaningless nonsense that doesn't like it's just like but it's completely non-political i mean it's obviously like but non-political what they would think it's like obviously pro-military and stuff like that right but he's like but he's a you know a soldier scientist so you know Uh, he so he you know i'm a a fighter and a lover i mean yeah i'm a a fighter but i know science and so um but yeah it's but it was garbage and but yeah it was it was completely forgettable yeah, so fuck the science line. Fuck science, actually. Fuck I, science. You know, I, th- I feel like Star Trek is actually turning me against science. I think, <laughs> I think I'm a flat earther now. No, that's yeah. fair. Yeah. I mean, you know, they make a lot of good points. Like, you know, like that there's like a whole other um, secret continents that are around where all the rich people live. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, I like, mean, it wouldn't be cool, but it makes sense. I mean, it's, yeah, it's like that. That they're the ones who control the map industry, so why not? 
Yeah, have you ever been so high up in the air where you were able to look down on Earth? Yeah, have you ever been in, on Jeffrey Epstein's island? I didn't think so. That's I mean, obviously a rich person continent, <laughs> I and mean, it's a very small one, but... Oh, yeah, I mean, there's probably, like, a whole, like, the there's a con- there's this, one of those secret continents that's nothing but Jeffrey Epstein's. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, like, just like a whole bunch... We call that France. <laughs> we call that France. <laughs> So <laughs> this, this damn Fransoids can stay where they are. Yeah. So back in her throne room, her titties are looking great. Oh my God. End of episode. No. Um, uh, <laughs> so back in her throne room, the Crimson Guard is telling her the prisoners escaped. She threatens to kill the guard, but tells Spock as Pollux to go get the prisoners with the guards. Back in the hallway, Hemmer is making plans to take back the ship while Spock is walking opposite them trying to find them when they come upon each other not literally unfortunately they no. just like cross paths and not with come which would be cool too but if you'd like to see that version i am releasing it on fanfiction.net mm. um i would encourage everyone to read it and you know just like you know have an open mind light a candle have an open mind have an open zipper have an open saying? zipper yeah, yeah. bring the lube <laughs> bring lube baby um, so, uh, Ortegas tells Spock and the crew to get out of the way and then takes a sword off of one of them and, uh, starts to kick the shit out of the guards. Pike is like, uh, she has this under control. Can I go now? And Mbenga's like, yeah, sure. And P- Pike runs away like a coward. Yeah. I love Anson Mount and he's a great Pike, but holy shit, I don't like this level <laughs> of ham in this episode. <laughs> It is a, he's a big can of spam, which like, I think he should do on something, but maybe not the Star Trek show he's starring in. Yeah. I mean, I think if he, yeah, I mean, he could have maybe toned it down a little and it probably would have been like a little funnier, but maybe cause he is, he is so goddamn him, but whatever. But, he, but he's also, but also you have to, I, I was, I was kind of thinking like he is in a, he's a, a character and a child storybook. So that's true. So, so, uh, so like his behavior would be elevated. There aren't like, they don't really put gay characters in storybooks though, especially from books written in the 1950s. No, they do. In the 1950s. Yeah. Have you ever read, uh, well, I think it came in in 1969, Left Handed Darkness by Ursula K. Le Guin. Is that a children's book? No. Oh, That's no. That's what I'm not, saying. Oh, it's no, yeah, it's not a children's book. This is a fucking fairy tale book, dude. Like, <laughs> this isn't complicated sci-fi. It's not a fucking no, yeah. island novel he's reading his kid. Like, no, that's true. It's like, uh, th- today we're going to read, what's this, a William Gibson's Neuromancer. <laughs> <laughs> just, just fucking, the nebula takes that story. Everything's all fucked up and everyone's like fucking and sucking and dying. It does. Or like someone was watching Event Horizon. <laughs> like they all go to the hell dimension. We'll, we'll get to Event Horizon. We will get to Event Horizon. It's, it's in here. All right. So uh, Ortega's begins to be bested by the Crimson Guard when uh, suddenly arrows fly from the hallway and take care of the rest of the Crimson Guard and disarm them. Turns out it's Una, some rogue character named Zamiria, the Huntress. Mm. More like the Countress, am I right? Hey, uh, the bad guys run away. Ortegas and Una have some dialogue that lets us know they uh, have a complicated romantic relationship. They do. It's it's complicated on Facebook. I don't think they allow that anymore. No. They get to engineering, and it seems that the nebula is a single life form when scanned, including brain activity, but with no sign of a physical body. 
It's a mm. being of a being of light. Um, Una says it's like uh, he's describing God when describing the nebula. Hammer mentions the Boltzmann brain, a theoretical, spontaneously generated consciousness, and says that this might be one of them. Mbenga questions this whole reality because it's fucking absurd, mm-hmm. but uh, then asks how they get it to stop. Hammer says maybe Mbenga is the problem. Um, he says, maybe your people are the problem. Mbenga <laughs> says, what do you mean, my people? No, that's not what he said. Hammer says Mbenga is the problem because it's reading his brainwaves and constructing the reality off of that. Mm-hmm. Hammer says that maybe if they cut it off, uh, possibly by hurting the king, they can stop it. Una offers to shoot Mbenga with an arrow, but then her and Ortegas have a lover's spat. And Ortegas is like, don't you understand? Um, I have sworn to protect him and fucking... Una's like, uh, I have sworn to protect only the, the queen of the forest and this shit mm-hmm. like that. And they have a little lover spat. Um, Mbenga then immediately has a revelation. He's like, hey, wait a second. This isn't how the story goes. Uh, you two don't even know each other in the story. Also, like, Ortegas and Una really haven't had any interactions, any significant interactions in the series. Not really, no, which yeah. is kind of strange, yeah. I just, I just realized, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah they haven't really, like... They, they haven't done much Ortegas anything except for no. she's at the helm. She's yeah. always at the helm. And she just it. makes quips and... Yeah, she makes quips at the helm and fucks her head up and whatever. <laughs> Which, her, by the way, her head is fine here. Yeah. Mbenka never treated her. No. But her head is fine. That'd be funny if, like, after it all ended, like... She was still <laughs> the character. Like, uh, I'm, I'm still Sir Arya. Or she's just on the floor and there's just, like, a puddle of blood. <laughs> Ortegas? Ortegas, wake up! Wake just, up, Ortegas! It was just this whole episode was just her life flashing before her yeah. eyes. It was a stupid ass storybook. She's like, "What? No, not that! No!" Then <laughs> yeah, Q was like, "It's time to go now." <laughs> Why did I see that? Just a little joke. I'm dying. It's like I don't know. I'm a I'm a I'm an omniscient being. Like I don't know why I do these things. Uh, and then he brings out the. Uh, the band again. Yeah. <laughs> Play some taco music. <laughs> Mariachi. That's what I was looking for. Ta- taco what music. They, what do they call a taco band? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Mbega comes to the revelation that this isn't how the story goes in mm-hmm. that, uh, uh, fucking, uh, Una and Ortegas don't even know each other in the story. Uh, but this is how his daughter wanted the story go is revealed in the very beginning of the episode. Um, which then reveals that the entity took the story from uh, Rukia, his daughter, mm-hmm. and not him. Mbega then asks to show everybody that he's keeping his daughter in the transport buffer. But then, she's gone. Beamed out earlier that day, somewhere in the ship, but without an exact location. Mbega tells Hammer about the illness and how his daughter might die if she's out too long, but Spock is in the wings, hiding and eavesdropping. And did we cover how Pollux, was, like, betrayed them? can't remember. Yeah, he betrayed them yeah. first by taking them uh, to the... He told them he was going to take them through the swamp, but took them to the Queen's yeah. room. I don't instead. know if we mentioned it. Like, Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, Spock is hiding and eavesdropping. Uh, and then he goes back to Uhura as Queen Nev, whose titties are still phenomenal oh my god and uh he reveals that the mercury stone is mbenga's daughter mm. Mm. 
So she makes plans to kidnap his daughter. It's then revealed that Pike has been captured, and Uhura makes him pledge his loyalty for his life. I would have, I would have let her kill me. Like I would be like anything you just want. Just suffocate me with them titties. Yeah, I would just be like, I'm fine with this. Kill me now. Just step on my neck. You can do anything. You <laughs> I can't breathe. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Back at sick bay, Mbenga says something. Uh, or someone took her out of the buffer. And Hemmer asks where his daughter would want to go. Mbega takes them towards his quarters since she said she always wanted to see them, yeah. but they're stopped oh. by Pike. I love callbacks. Mm-hmm. Love them. Um, it's a trap, of course, and Pike puts a knife to Mbega's throat as Ahura appears. Teddy's fabulous. Uh, we come back from commercial break, and uh, for some reason, even though in the last scene, uh, Pike had a knife to Mbenga's throat. They're now on opposite sides of the hallway. Oh. Which was a continuity thing. I was like, what? I hope someone got fired for that blunder. Yeah, me too. Um, so <laughs> Uhura and her gang try to convince uh, the other crew to give up and give her the mercury stone. Mbenga refuses and says, you shall not touch my daughter or I will bring the might of my kingdom down upon your heads. Which was a sick line. I yeah. like that a lot. Oh, good. He was really leaning into the part, finally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, Mbenga, that guy did a great job on this episode. I oh, yeah. Um, yeah he's great. I didn't great. love anybody else, but, like, I, I that mean, actor's great. Uh, I yeah. didn't love, I don't love the storylines they give him, but mm-hmm. so far he's, like, been good. Yeah. He's a good actor. really like him. Um, so, Hammer threatens to unleash his powerful wizard powers on the group by sending them to the event horizon. Spock says, that's not a real place, but I've seen the movie. I know it is. Mm-hmm. Lawrence Fishburne is there. Jason Isaacs is in that? He is. You're right. He's, yeah. Isn't he British in that? I think he's British in real life. Yeah, he's British in real life. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I like Jason Isaacs. Me too. I, yeah. I Captain actually, Lorca. Yeah. yeah, I actually like Captain Lorca. I didn't... Me too. I didn't love... I mean, the twist with Captain Lorca was pretty cool. Yeah. I thought they should have brought back like a good Captain Lorca and had him. I don't think... I, I think I, I would have actually liked if they maybe redeemed him... Oh, the bad Lorca? The bad Lorca Nero instead Lorca? of, you know, I love Michelle Yeoh. That's Yo. actually a pretty good idea. Yeah, like, because oh. I didn't like how they, you know, killed him off. I would have no. I would have preferred, like, yeah, he'd have his redemption arc. Yeah, but, yeah, Jason Isaacs was really, really good in that show. I, I You know, I wish they would do something with him because, you know, him and Michelle Yeoh were easily the two best captains on this. Oh, yeah, I mean, they Pike were. was pretty good, too. Yeah, um, yeah, but... yeah, season two with Captain Pike was excellent. Right. Except yeah. for the last part with the time traveling. Suit. Oh, that's that's, uh, that's, that's, sense. Yeah, that's that's why that's like five episodes were dog shit. Yeah, that's why I don't like the season long story arcs. arcs. No, they don't need them. Like they worked for DS Nine, but it did. Don't you don't need to do it for everything? Yeah, like eventually I stopped caring. Like in the season four, like they just kept going like the DMC, the DMC. I'm like, I don't know what that is anymore. I just, <laughs> just... <laughs> indeed. All right, so um. Hammer uh, threatens to unleash his powerful wizard powers on the rest of them. Send them to the event horizon. Spock says, hey, that's not a real place. And uh, Hammer tries to, like, flex and stuff. And he's like, wizard powers. And then he just brings a communicator out of his pocket, uh, hits a button, and they all beam away. Isn't it kind of weird how all the aliens are very well-versed in, um, in, like, Earth stories and Earth things? Like, does, does he know... About like wizards and stuff like that, typically, you know, it's just... that's a very great. Like, yeah, why would his race know? I mean, I, I don't know. Because like, but the, but yeah, because but all the like all the like. Well, I mean, if he's if he's in a federation race though, you figure like yeah. 
with how humans are, like, yeah. you know, the Federation, like, the the capital of it is Earth, yeah. right? And so, like, it's a very Earth-centric mm-hmm. and in as much very kind of Eurocentric system. Yeah. Like, it is, it is definitely still very rooted in our colonial systems yeah. and hierarchies, which is a very conservative star, uh, part of Star Trek, I think. Yeah. Which is whatever. I don't, like, I don't understand how this utopian society still has a representative fucking republic government basically yeah <laughs> like how does how the fuck do you have a president and like have utopia like yeah i mean maybe if you're making all your shit back into food that helps but still <laughs> still uh you figure like yeah. after they show january 6th they would have learned the lesson <laughs> to never like give anyone that much power but mm. instead they don't like... yeah because like they always do that like you know whenever you know alien races go into the hollow suite they're always doing like an earth related like they they don't ha- they never have like they don't have own... stories of their own like yeah they don't have yeah. only the Klingons basically have yeah. stories of their own like yeah. no one else really has a lore that they refer to like... yeah it's because Michael Dorn was going overtime with like all the Klingon lore so he's like oh yeah, yeah I mean Mike, like... Michael Dorn and Ronald D Moore like yeah, the yeah. two of them are the heart and soul basically of all good Star Trek I think mm-hmm. like uh, but yeah no one was coming up with the Bajoran stuff yeah like you know in that one episode like. Uh, I guess they have a religion and stuff, but they don't explain much lore behind it. No. It's kind of weird. But yeah, but like when they're having leisure time, like, you know, it showed like Jedzia and, and Kira like as princesses, as, as as medieval princesses. It's like, True. why would they want to do that? Don't they have like, isn't there some sort of like history of, that they would like to, of their own they want to go back to? No. <laughs> no they, they want to do World War Two battles. Yeah. With, uh, with well, fucking Miles and Bashir. Yeah, that I understand. Like, yeah, that'd be. I mean, well, we know they're just, like, having gay sex in the hall suite and, like, <laughs> dressing up in leather jackets to do it. Oh, I can see them just, like, you know, uh, you know, just, like, if you take took, like, a working-class Irishman and put him in the future and he just has a job and then he gets to have, like, pints every day with his best friend and do World War II battles. Like, that sounds like... Yeah, while his wife is away with his child on another planet <laughs> and he's just... Ooh, that's that's awesome. Like, it's, 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 like why wouldn't he like that? That's true. Just like just hanging out with his best friend, getting drunk. Yeah, yeah, not 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 bad. But I, I think I think they're a little gay together. I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean maybe. You know, probably. you know, there's probably like a like a little like like something a little uh, went too far with a little with a little gesture or like a touch. Right. And kind of went went downhill from there, and they just never speak about it. You know, mm-hmm. there's a hot tub involved. Yeah. <laughs> a hollow tub. A hollow tub. Yeah. Never ask what happened in the hollow tub. And actually has real bacteria in it. <laughs> real, real cum. <laughs> just real cum. Just been <laughs> marinating there, and at a, at, a, at a point between the um, the critical the critical control point, where it's just like you know between forty and one hundred and forty degrees, where it's just like brewing bacteria. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. You can cut all this out. <laughs> <laughs> so, Hammer beams everyone away and dramatically says. The power of science prevails, and I—I uh, I, I fucking love science. I kicked my TV. <laughs> I no longer have a TV. You did. You can watch it. Watch Strange New Worlds on on, on your phone, like I do. Hell yeah! <laughs> so, Omega <laughs> goes into his quarters, and his daughter is there in a princess dress. They hug, and he scans her. She's miraculously cured of her disease. She says her friend made her better, who apparently is the Nebula. She says she saw her dad the whole time and asks if he had fun. He says yes, but they need to stop playing now and asks if she can put everything back where it was. Why did he say he had fun? He should have been like, 
This has awful. This, I, I've been imprisoned. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what the fuck's going on. Everyone's insane. I thought I was Stop on fucking drugs. Yeah, like, Jesus. <laughs> like, I was and not good drugs. Not good drugs. God, I was damn. freaking out. Like, I've been worried sick, and now you're pulling this shit on me. <laughs> so he says... <laughs> Yes, but now they need to stop playing and ask if she can put everything back where it was. She asks if she'll need to go back in the buffer, and he says, I don't know. He asks her if she can speak, or if he can speak to the nebula, and she says it doesn't really work that way. Suddenly, Hammer arrives and says he can use his telepathic powers to be basically a conduit for the nebula, uh, as long as Ryuka introduces them and makes sure it won't kill him. Mm. Uh, Hammer says, if you would like, you can speak through me. Please be gentle, which we know, we know what that means. Ooh, yeah. Uh, Nebula's going up his butt. The <laughs> Nebula possesses Hammer through his asshole and says, they must not take the child. And it's revealed that the Nebula was lonely. The Nebula was lonely. Like, uh, Ryuka, and they created the world... Uh, this like mystical fantasy world to allow her a piece of her childhood she couldn't have because she was in a transport buffer. Mbenga thanks the Nebula for curing his daughter, but says the fantasy must end. Nebula says, if they leave, Ryuka will get sick again. But if she stays, she will join with the consciousness and never know death. Oh... So Mbenga says that in the story, the king wants to hold onto the mercury stone because it makes him happy and protects him until he learns it has a soul and will die if he keeps it. He says that his daughter is his mercury stone and he has to let her go. He tells her that her time to write her own stories could be now, but leaves it up to her. She decides to join with the nebula and it's actually a pretty touching scene. Yeah. Amongst the episode with mostly dog shit scenes. Yeah. Uh, Hammer uh, falls and the nebula leaves his body and takes Mbenga's daughter. A moment later, his daughter rematerializes, this time as an adult, and says she's been having years of fun with the nebula in the moments that uh, Mbenga has stood there. And that the nebula's name is Deborah. After her mom, who might be dead, but it doesn't say. I'd like to believe she isn't dead. So like, yeah. and Benga's reactions. Benga yeah. like has to go back and be like, so about our <laughs> daughter, she was eaten by a nebula, and she <laughs> no longer has physical form, but she no longer has the cancer. So you know, <laughs> and she'll never die. Good news, bad news. Yeah. Um, it's and really... if you want to see her, you have to just like you know. Get on a starship and, <laughs> and go to this nebula, and then she'll like come through the window and talk to you for two minutes. By the way, a nebula is named after you now, uh, and the nebula is her mom, not you. Sorry. Um, yeah, that that's something. So yeah, that was definitely something. Like, that, yeah, that was an interesting decision. Um, I kind of would have preferred it if she didn't rematerialize. Me too, and that that's what I wrote. Like, I, I kind of liked the emotional touch of how they like mm-hmm. tied it up with the mom thing and whatever, but they could have done it before she rematerialized and they didn't need to rematerialize her as an adult. No, like, like to be like, everything's fine. Everything's okay. Yeah. I would have preferred it. Like if you, if yeah, it was just kind of just like him letting go of his daughter mm-hmm. kind of. Cause he knew, cause like there was that like, you know, ticking clock element where, you know, she was going to die, mm-hmm. you know, not be cured. And so like, so he kind of like 
reach that conclusion, but in but in a po- kind of a positive light, it's just mm. still it's like yeah. You, but yeah, just like sort of like a more of an unknown thing where she just goes off into the nebula and then he just kind of like sits with like yeah, yeah, that that would have been fine. Like the the thing is like they really took all of the intrigue and the mystery out of it cuz now mm-hmm. they they completely basically wrote her off. Now they, yeah. like the way they wrote this is like okay, she's not coming back to the show ever again. Yeah. I would have liked it. Yeah, also if they didn't bring her back, that would have left her an opportunity to come back as as the adult and be like yeah and also the thing of like her having to stay with the nebula makes it so she can only stay in one place basically which i don't really it doesn't really work for, i don't know it's yeah only with one other intelligence yeah. like for the rest of her like i guess that forever she's, she's known for a day and she's known and for she a... decides she wants to go with the person the stranger she's known for a day <laughs> other than her dad and her, yeah and then Binga only knew knew the entity himself for like what five minutes and he's like you know what i can i can trust this with my child yeah. i can you know i was trying to save my child's life but you know what i'm gonna send her into a nebula yeah it could have been a child predator <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it's, it's just like just, it's just fucking cue how they're cause, playing cause, on children because we all know child predators are totally upfront and honest you know yeah and, and, <laughs> and we also know a lot of nebulas out there are on the sex offender registry yeah. list <laughs> That'd be funny if he's like scrolling at the end of the episode and like an alert comes up, an amber alert. You know, you can't spell nebula without nambla. He's like, oh my God, what did I do? <laughs> do you think they have amber alerts in Star Trek? <laughs> I mean, if they did, it would probably have been going off nonstop with Neelix. Like, they, like, they were just. You got like, another one. Computer, disable amber alert. <laughs> like, it's just been going beep, 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 beep. beep. And Neelix is on the uh, the Kess offender registry. Um, so, um, so uh, Mbenga says that uh, his daughter, who's older now, looks so much like her mother. Uh, and then she tells him to live his own life, create his own stories, and makes him promise to be happy. And he does. He's like, yeah, I'll be happy without you. Especially now that I don't have to worry about my fucking daughter in a transport buff. He doesn't say that. Yeah. He thinks that. He thinks it. He definitely thinks He's that. just like, oh, he's, got, he's just going to have like a great time now. He doesn't have he's to like, read her a book anymore. Yeah, now I can just stare at Nurse Chapel all day. <laughs> so uh, we're still in Mbenga's quarters and Hemmer wakes up uh, saying he has the worst headache and remembers nothing of the mm. last five hours. We're then treated to a chief medical officer's personal log supplemental says none of the, none of the crew remember what happened the entity's doing my daughter's doing i'm sure the surveillance logs are blank it's as if every one of them lost five hours except for me hmm. so una comes in and asks about his daughter he says she's fine and alive and safe and Benga confides that he did something extraordinary in the five hours that nobody remembers. So wouldn't that have been like a report that he would have had to type up? I mean, no. If no like, one remember, yeah, like, it's I like mean, there's, there's like a five hour gap of time that nobody remembers except him. Well, I mean, he could say he doesn't remember, but like Una now knows and she's yeah, the commanding like, officer, but he could be like, is doctor, I'm overriding you for public health or some shit. Yeah. Because you know? doctors do have ultimate override on any authority. That's on true. Starship, which is something. So, um, uh, Una says, must have been quite a story those five hours. He says, it is. It begins like all good stories. Once upon a time. Oh Roll my credits, God. the end. 
caption by captioning CBS. the video. <laughs> yeah. Um so what do you think? What do you think of this episode? I mean I would have liked that story with his daughter to be wrapped up differently, I think. Like So so here's the thing. I like how it advanced the story. Mm. I don't like I don't I like the end point that they got to. I yeah. don't like the story that they told to get there at all. No. I'm 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 totally fine. I didn't want his daughter to be like a recurring thing really. Yeah. And I I already I didn't like this story really from the beginning cuz I feel like it takes a little bit of a retcon shit on a lot of Star Trek just being able with technology that's basically inferior to TNG like 100 years before that. Yeah. Uh, you know, in TNG, like Scotty does this, but only because he's the most brilliant engineer. Yeah. And so it's like, eh, they don't have the most brilliant, like Hammer is no fucking Scotty. We know no. this. Like, even though he says he's a genius at all, at any given moment. Like, yeah. But we know like fucking those Mensa assholes who say they're geniuses <laughs> are the dumbest people, you know? Like, oh yeah. They're like, oh, I, uh, I remember what's on every page of the dictionary. And you're like, how do you wipe your ass? And they're like, oh, you're supposed to wipe it? Oh, fuck. Oh. I've lost all my money with replica swords. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's... <laughs> oh, my God. If, if if Hemmer has... If they show Hemmer's quarters and it's just nothing but... but N- sword, NFTs. Uh, yeah, and NFTs and replica swords. He's <laughs> <laughs> just like... Like, oh, I'm a genius. Okay, but Captain, would you like to come see my ape collection? <laughs> no, I don't. But I do, but I get, but I don't, I don't know, like, with, um, Mbenga, like, just giving his daughter to this nebula, I just felt like, I, that, that would have been a very hard thing for a parent to do, I feel. Yeah, right? Like. I mean, it's hard, all right. He's yeah. just like, he's, he, he's like, I can masturbate whenever I want now. <laughs> but yeah, just like, you know, be, like, I, like, I think more parents would have, like, wanted to know more about the nebula, like. Right, it's like so. Uh, Nebula, can I meet your parents? <laughs> yeah. Like, what's your what's a good uh, number that I can reach you at, just in case? Like, I mean, Star Trek does have a bad um, reputation for dumping annoying kids off with like strange interstellar people. You I mean, know? who has a good reputation for parenthood on Star Trek? <laughs> yeah. Like, basically, everyone's a dog shit parent, and mm-hmm. like, it's super weird too. Because uh, I was discussing this with someone on somewhere the other day. Oh, I mean, Cisco was the best parent. Cisco is an awesome dad. You're yeah. Right. And, and his dad's pretty rad, too. Oh, yeah. His dad like, yeah, is amazing. But, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the black human fathers on the show are, are strong, yeah. but yeah. Uh, there's only one of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but, like, yeah, basically everyone else fucking sucks. Uh, I mean, like, uh, O'Brien and, and Keiko yeah. aren't bad. Not the greatest couple, but, like, they're good parents. Yeah. They care about their kid. Yeah, they're the whole thing when Molly was on that planet where she got old. Yeah. Yeah, and then became like a cave person. <laughs> yeah, she became feral. <laughs> yeah, Molly, Molly. Maybe bring Molly for back for one of the new Star Treks. Yeah, Not her. Yeah. yeah, we don't need. We don't need Wesley Crusher. We disneed no. him. Yeah, we we he, neg- need him in a negative sense. Yeah, he was also given to like a strange interstellar being. Like, you yeah, know, he was given to uh, that the traveler guy. You know, and just like you know. Yeah, yeah. Because but he was given to the traveler guy because the traveler scouted him in an early season and, <laughs> and saw his potential. Whereas on Picard at the end of it, like. He he comes down and meets uh, a clone for the first time and says, uh, well, you, "You should be a traveler now." And I'm just like, "What?" They weren't scouting her or anything. They just like he's scouting. just like, he's here's a good way to write off this actress uh, yeah. forever, and that was it. And I was like, "Fuck, that sucked, man." But yeah, like what that that would have been 
you know, I'm I'm surprised like an Amber Alert didn't go off for the traveler. He's like, I've been scouting for quite some time, Wesley. <laughs> I've been sitting in my sedan outside the Enterprise for the past three months. <laughs> Get into the sedan. <laughs> We're gonna go travel the world, travel the universe. Uh, okay. Yeah. So uh, I thought this was easily the worst episode of uh, Strange New World so far. I have liked every episode mm-hmm. to some degree. Um, oh yeah, I think like it's. I think Strange New Worlds has had the strongest first season of any Trek. Yeah, basic. Yeah, any Trek uh, except uh, Enterprise is pretty good. Yeah, say Enterprise is pretty good. Um, Prodigy so far is not bad. I, I haven't watched Prodigy. Cool. I, I it's um, they've only done the first half of the first season, and the second mm-hmm. half is coming out in like six months. Which I'm like, they they put like literally a year between the first and second half of the first season. Oh wow, which makes no sense. Yeah. on any level, like why would you do that? Especially like adults can do that, but with it's a kid show, and so you're telling kids like. They're going to fucking age out of the program by the time the second half of the yeah. first season comes out. I'm like, what? Yeah, and kids, yeah, they have very short attention spans. Like. Yeah, they're short and have short attention spans. <laughs> yeah. So, it's, I don't know, it's stupid. Man. Uh, yeah, the, this episode, not my favorite. Uh, yeah, the they writing, can't all be bangers. Yeah, the writing was especially bad, I thought, on this episode. Uh, mm-hmm. The titties were especially good. But I don't watch Star Trek for titties. No. Like, titties are almost always covered up except for Deanna Troy's. And so... Yeah. I'm not expecting titties. They're always welcome. That's why they were so surprising. Yeah, and so uh, I will give this episode, I was going to give it a three, but the titties make it a four. Four out of ten. Um, below average, absolutely. I give it double Ds. Fair. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, it was all right. I mean, I, there was definitely parts I liked. You know, I, I you know, you didn't like it. I loved Cuck Pike. That's, that's fine. That's, like, it was, it was, it was uh, a series but, of decisions that you could only... Agree with or yeah. completely disagree. Yeah, got, you, got, you got a little little finger at the end there, but yeah, yeah. No, I, I I liked it. Like he was being silly. He, he got was ri- definitely being silly. He, he got rid of Pike's peak, which I I do like Pike being silly on occasion. Like at yeah. the end of uh, the last episode where he did the pi- pirate impersonation, Arr, yeah, that was funny. That yeah. was funny because it was unexpected, but it was a little just a little bit of hey, this guy obviously has a sense of humor. Yeah, and this yeah, one was just he's, like he's, a little, he's he's the captain, but he's fun. Yeah, he's a fun, he's a fun boss. Mm-hmm. Bosses can be fun. <laughs> Bosses can be fun. You know, they can have, they can have little jokes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was uh, all the new Trek for the week. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's time for Klingon Word of the Day. Today's Klingon word of the day is Kapla. Oh, yeah, I know that word. One of the most oft-used Klingon phrases in all of Trek, Kapla, literally translates to success, but is most often used as a farewell. The context for this is wishing someone success in whatever or in wherever they may be going or whatever mission they may be on. Used in a sentence, I see you're departing on your mission for 7-Eleven Rollies. <laughs> Kapla. Kapla. Or, in the literal sense, I decided to see if I could fill up a Gatorade bottle full of my semen within <laughs> one month. Kapla. With the uh, My Little Pony inside. It was actually a data. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that later. Do you think uh, Worf celebrates Kaplanica? 
<laughs> so with that, would you like to speak? Speak. <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about the classic episode we watched this week. Yeah, it was, it's so, one of my favorites. Yeah. So uh, what we do every week to uh, choose an episode of old Star Trek is we go ahead and just use a random number generator. And uh, with this one, we got uh, two hundred sixty. I don't. I don't remember. I think it was two sixty-eight. Yeah, yeah two sixty-eight. So the two hundred sixty-eight uh, episode of Star Trek ever released was uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation, season seven, episode fifteen. <laughs> classic Trek episode we watched this week was Star Trek The Next Generation, Season 7, Episode 15, Lower Decks, released on February 7th, 1994. This one was written by uh, Rene Echeverria, hmm. which uh, he wrote 30 episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. He's one of those guys like Ronald D. Moore mm-hmm. who just sent them an unsolicited script. It got picked up and be- he became a writer. Okay, cool. Which is really cool that you used to be able to do that. No, yeah. you can't do that anymore. You have to write on Nancy Drew first. I mean, obviously, all my scripts that I've ever submitted have been rejected. But I mean, those are all erotic fanfic, though. So I, I mean, know. yeah, I don't but... think they're going to make uh, Data is a dildo part two. Like it's, <laughs> it's like uh, what's this? They script? want no good the taste. It's slap them in the face. Functional. What is that? Oh no! <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Multiple techniques part three. What is that? <laughs> Where's part one and two even? Um, so it was, uh, and it was directed by uh, Gabriel Beaumont. Who is the first woman director mm. of Star Trek ever? Oh, really? Um, when she directed Booby Trap from season three of TNG. Oh, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So, um, we start on this episode, and Counselor Troy is in 10 forward with Commander Riker, and they are sitting together at a table discussing crew evaluations, uh, trying to decide who would be the best to fill a supervisory position. Riker laments that this is a recurring theme as they did crew evaluations just three months ago. He decides that everyone on the ship will get promoted and calls it a night, <laughs> addressing Troy as commander, which Troy acknowledges, addressing Riker as captain, before he orders two coffees so they can stay up all night, if you know what I mean. Oh. <laughs> Across. You want some Pollux, baby? <laughs> so. Um, you know, Riker never has worn a condom in his life, right? Oh no! I mean, huh. that, that would have been like a good like episode. Like instead of him finding his like transporter clone, find like some bunch of his kids. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like all these like half Rikers, and they all, and, like they're, they're all beards. They all have beards, and they're different races and stuff, like different alien races. But, they all, <laughs> but, but the common theme is they all have beards. <laughs> Children See, with beards. That's a script that was probably <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> that I need to submit. Oh, I like that a lot. So um across from across Ten Forward at another table, Ensign Sam Lavelle, who is watching them uh both Riker and um Deanna with his friends, uh Cito Jackson, mm-hmm. Ensign Tuarek, and nurse Alyssa Agawa. Mm-hmm. Uh, he complains that their careers are literally being decided across the room. 
Ogawa tells him not to worry, and Sito tells him to just enjoy himself. Uh, Lavelle decides to think about a promotion out loud, much to the annoyance of Tarek. Ogawa and Sito explain to the Vulcan, Tarek, uh, that it's a time-honored strategies that Bajorans use. He then finally jokes that being promoted to lieutenant, he would have his own crew quarters, whereupon Tuarek says he can request a new room assignment if he is not happy sharing quarters with him, on the off chance he isn't promoted. This draws laughter from the rest of the ensigns. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, mean I, I feel like living with like a uh, Vulcan would, would suck. Yeah, it would, suck. it would suck. Yeah, I mean, he probably never leaves, so if you're trying to like jerk off or something. <laughs> do, do Vulcans masturbate? Is that logical? I don't know. Hmm, that's something. I mean, uh, I'll let's add that to the Google list. Yeah, I mean, is it, it's like a. Do they have a mating ritual with their hand? Because yeah. they're all about mating rituals and shit. Like whenever whenever Spock goes to fuck, he's like a, a mating ritual. <laughs> yeah. So who knows? Yeah, I mean, I, w- I do like how it's shown. Yeah, they have like especially in Stranger Worlds, shows like you know the Vulcans are having more like you know they have they have, they have casual sex outside of seven years every other seven years you know yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Spock's done the mating uh, mating ritual with the to print plus like I can see like it being logical like he's like I, I've got a boner I'm horny as fuck <laughs> like horny. my my balls are as blue as my uniform <laughs> <laughs> like, and the, yeah and that that was before like the hollow suite, you know just bust one out in the hollow suite right which yeah it's it's weird like. That they got like warp drive before hollow suites. You know, humans would make the hollow oh, suite yeah. centuries before they have warp technology. Yeah, I mean, we, like that—that that would have been like the first thing we like, make. Is... We we won't truly make into the stars until we can like fuck robots. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah. I mean, we already have the robots, but yeah. And, <laughs> and like, do you see that they released like some new one that was just like <laughs> horrifying? It just looked like a weird little. They're all horrifying. <laughs> They're man. all horrifying. It's all uncanny valley weird shit, man. Yeah. Like just masturbate like a real human with your hand. It's, yeah. We've been doing it for th- hundreds of thousands of years. It works. Works great. <laughs> That's the reason we have opposable thumbs, all right? Mm-hmm. Respect our evolution. <laughs> so the conversation between Troy and Riker changes to the ops night duty officer. When Lavelle, or while Lavelle is an obvious choice, he's also considering Sito for it as well. Around this time, Ben, who's a waiter at 10 Forward, serves the coffees to Riker and Troy, at the same time teasing Troy about getting dessert. And she's like, don't tempt me, you motherfucker. My ass is too fat already. And he's like, you know, our people like a fat ass. And uh, Riker's just like, give her the chocolate. Our people too. (laughs) Riker's like, more chocolate ice cream for her. But put this in there, hands him some roofinol. So... Um, Ben walks over to the junior officers, and after much badgering, he tells them that apparently Lavelle and Sito are up for the same position. Mm. Cut to opening credits. The crew performs a battle drill on the bridge. While Lavelle and Sito are on the bridge at Con and Tactical, respectively, and with Tarek assisting Lieutenant Commander LaForge in engineering. Lieutenant Worf is right next to his station, uh, supervising the drill, uh, specifically Sito. After Lavelle successfully performs a maneuver, something goes wrong at Tactical, which catches Worf's attention. While the target was destroyed, Riker expresses disappointment with the Alpha Shift's response time, and wants drill evaluation reports from each department, with LaForge assigning 
Toric to that task. Sito explains to the commander that when they changed course, she had to relock phasers before firing. Riker offers some advice by revealing that one should allow the locking relay to float before the actual order to fire is given. Fine. <laughs> yeah. Techno babble. What I like. I like TNG techno babble. I don't know. It makes much sense. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, it sounds. They always say it like it sounds correct. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Act like you know. Um, yeah. It's not a trick that's taught at the academy. He says, but it works. Well, he when he orders Lavelle to resume course and speed, he snaps at him for acknowledging with uh, saying I twice. Which I feel is petty. Yeah, it is. Like, he's just trying to big dick Lavelle. And on it, yeah. honestly, I feel like he he doesn't like Lavelle because Lavelle He's is, another alpha. He's another, like, Chad on yeah. the ship. And, and Riker's like, he's going to get some alien pussy that I won't get. Like, yeah. alien pussy is a zero-sum game, and mm-hmm. I will not lose. Yeah, you can't put two alphas in a room together. No, which is why, like, Thomas Riker <laughs> had to go. Yeah. He had to go, even though he had like seven years less experience, dicking down experience, like, you know, Will was obviously the superior dick downer. Yeah. And that's why he kind of went, he went dark. Yeah. Like he went, he joined the Maquis, he wore fake mutton chops. Like, <laughs> he have, just like forgot about the yeah. <laughs> That's one of my favorite, favorite scenes. I mean, I, I agree with the Maquis like entirely. Oh yeah. And the Federation like should have never been like, pres- like the whole premise of Voyager is the Federation is shitty and going after people. I mean, I have a huge political screed on the Maquis, but oh, the, yeah. the Maquis were right. The Federation abandoned them and mm-hmm. fucked them. Yeah. Like, and like, if you support the Bajorans, but don't support the Maquis, you are ideologically completely inconsistent. Yeah. Because they were in like the exact same situation. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fucked up, man. <laughs> So, uh, where were we here? Um, so. I will say also like the, like the little things, the show, yeah, the teaching, you know, Riker showing them like, oh yeah, I just floated a little, like, just kind of like that, you know. I like when little they tip, put little, little minutiae of yeah. Star Trek, like stuff that they obviously would say, but isn't important to the script at all. Mm-hmm. I like it makes that. It makes it feel more real. Yeah, fleshes it out. Yeah, so uh, right after this, Captain Picard enters the bridge from his ready room and orders a change of course to the... Argaya system near Cardassian space at maximum warp as he's received new orders from Starfleet and the rendezvous with the USS Clement will not take place as previously scheduled. When the senior officers leave the bridge for the observation lounge to discuss the new orders, Cisco is asked by Riker to fill in at ops or sorry, Sito is asked by Riker to fill in ops next to Lavelle. This indicates to Lavelle that his chances for promotion uh, to the position are slim, but Sito tries to assure him by suggesting Riker might feel she needs more practice than he does. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. Nice of her. Uh, yeah, engineering. There, there, there's, there's like a friendly com- camaraderie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, in engineering, Tarek uh, enthusiastically shares some new ideas in warp field configuration with LaForge, who is fucking annoyed at him. He's like, yeah, stop being a tryhard. Mm-hmm. I know what I'm doing at my job. You don't. Um, LaForge is slightly intrigued, but mostly just irritated at the Vulcan's forthright nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, then over in sickbay, Dr. Crusher tells Nurse Agawa that she is recommending her for a promotion to Lieutenant. Agawa then shares her fears about her relationship with Lieutenant Powell. Crusher thinks she's overreacting. And I, I hated this scene. It was completely unnecessary. Yeah. And I'm fine with, like, 
Crusher, but the, the problem is like they never show Powell. Powell's completely yeah, irrelevant they, to this. Yeah, story. we don't get to like yeah, like and plus yeah, they mentioned earlier or later like saw him with some other guy, other yeah, girl. And yeah, and they, they mention him, but they never show him. He's completely unimportant to the plot as a whole. Mm-hmm. Like he's a little bit of minutia that they add that they don't need to at all. Also, like the the friendship be, like between Crusher and Agawa seemed kind of, like it, it was like was, yeah it wasn't yeah. yeah it was I mean obviously they you know Agawa's like been in a lot and like we see her a lot but then like you know the friendly banter between them sounded very like unnatural to me yeah well, it wasn't great <laughs> no. so later in Ten Forward Sito uh, is surprised and encouraged to find out from Lieutenant Worf that he recommended her for the ops position she tells him she will try her best not to let him down. Meanwhile, Lavelle laments the fact that, apparently, Riker doesn't like him. Ben, uh, the waiter, who is friends with Riker, tells him that Riker likes poker and jazz, and that he's Canadian. So Lavelle, on this information, uh, walks up to the bar where Riker is sitting, and tries to strike up a conversation with the first officer about this, uh, ordering the same drink he does. Unfortunately, Riker is not from Canada. He is, in fact, from Alaska, where I'm from. Hello. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Uh, and an embarrassed Lavelle jokingly states uh, they both get a lot of snow before hastily leaving. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Riker's like, what a fucking dork. And <laughs> yeah. takes a big drink of ale. Uh, close to the Cardassian border, the Enterprise is searching in vain for an escape pod. Finally, it is located in Cardassian space, outside of normal transporter range. Picard asks how they are going to get the pod there, which Lavelle hears. Cut to commercial. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, with some adjustments from LaForge and Tarek, the pod's occupant is beamed into sickbay. Uh, due to the sensitive nature of the occupant's identity, Crusher orders Agawa to leave the sickbay. Agawa finds Sito standing outside with orders not to allow anybody other than the senior officers of the ship to enter. Captain Picard then arrives, and after... Uh, looking very disappointedly at Cito for a couple seconds, um, he enters. Um, Labelle tries to get Riker, or sorry, Lavelle tries to get Riker to give him an extra shift up on the bridge, um, and Riker is like, "Now is not the best time." He's yeah. pissed. Uh, I don't, I don't need you brown nosing to me right now, bro. Mm-hmm. Just like. Plus, uh, that's not an alpha move. No, not at all. Like real yeah. kiss ass. Hey, can I have extra homework, teacher? <laughs> yeah. Um, so after seeing the mysterious visitor, Picard has Cito join him in his ready room, and tells her that he doesn't believe she is ready for the ops position, reminding her of her record with the disgraced Nova Squadron uh, mm-hmm. while at Starfleet Academy, and how she participated in an attempt at a forbidden stunt, which resulted in the death of a fellow cadet as well as the cover-up which impeded the ensuing investigation. Mm -hmm. He asks what that says about what kind of person she is in her character. Cito tells him that she now understands how she was wrong to try to cover up the truth, and since then her record has been spotless. She also details how difficult her time at the Academy had been afterwards, as she didn't have any friends and none of the other cadets were willing to fly with her again noting that she had to take her flight test with her instructor. Picard isn't the least bit interested that she didn't enjoy the academy, and sternly tells Cito that she should have been expelled as far as he's concerned, and he doesn't know how she ended up on his ship, before curtly dismissing her. Severely chastised, Cito leaves without another word. 
I loved this scene. Me too. I love Picard being like a responsible, d- disappointed dickhead. Yeah. Like, like everything he said was correct. And like, I liked how he delivered it. Mm-hmm. It was, and, it was sick as fuck. That's, that's really how he shows he cares. Yeah. Yeah. And like, exactly. he wants to push people to their best, like in, in first duty, you know, when he's just like dressing down Wesley, like that was more, that was a, that was an emotional scene. That be- was the most respect he ever showed Wesley. Yeah. <laughs> and it's because like, at, yeah, because like they had, at that point they had like built a relationship. Like they had a couple of adventures together. Like, you know, he was, Picard was impressed by some, you know, you know, things that Wesley's proven himself. And so it was actually kind of like, you know, such a disappointment to him when Wesley was trying to like cover up a death. And, you know, and just showing that he expects more of him and he wants him to, to excel. Yeah. And I feel like Wesley's like a war criminal. Yeah, oh, he definitely is. And, you know, and he, also, he obviously, now he's like perpetuating the crimes that the traveler did to him going in the, going in the space sedan, <laughs> picking, picking up, picking up naive people who have lived their entire lives inside of a basement yeah. and just being like, I'm a traveler. I'm going to take you across the universe. I'm going to take all of Soong's clones. They don't know shit. <laughs> they don't know shit. They'll believe anything I tell them. Uh, so, um, back in the shuttle bay. Tarek and the Forge are intentionally damaging the Type 6 shuttlecraft Curie's hull with a phaser rifle. Tarek is puzzled, but LaForge offers no credible explanation as to why they are doing this, except he says they're doing like stress tests. Tarek, remarking on his pattern of phaser fire, says that it would be consistent if the shuttle were under attack and had engaged evasive maneuvers. LaForge tells him it's an amazing coincidence that that's uh, what it looks like. <laughs> Go back to Medbay, and Agawa is asked by Crusher to assist her with emergency surgery on the visitor, and is ordered not to reveal the patient's identity to anybody else. Agawa is shocked to find the patient is in fact a Cardassian, while Crusher tells her they need to synthesize at least a liter of Cardassian blood. Mm-hmm. Later, the junior officers are in someone's quarters playing poker and speculating on who was in the escape pod. Agawa is quiet about what she knows. They encourage Sito after hearing of her encounter with the captain. Ben tells the group that he heard rumors that the individual in the pod was Ambassador Spock himself, which Tarek, a Vulcan, finds highly unlikely. <laughs> Lavelle still laments Riker's seeming dislike of him, but Sito tells him that it doesn't matter if Riker likes him as long as he re, uh, respects him, which he must do. Lavelle feels better and decides to stop trying so hard and thinks he's just telling himself that Riker hates him so much. If Lavelle doesn't get the promotion, he'll then have an excuse. Tarek is also concerned that his suggestions might be off-putting to Geordi LaForge, which they definitely are. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Ben, who is also at the poker table, cleans out his preoccupied Starfleet friends until one by one they decide to turn it in for the night. The senior officers in another room are also playing poker. It's uh, definitely not Rikers, though, because there's no sex toys around. No, yeah, there was. I it, mean, he doesn't keep them in a drawer. Yeah, and, and so. they didn't. It didn't seem like they were reacting to like a foul smell of any kind. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm sure it was like perme- that probably permeates his own quarters. No, absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's just. It's all. It's just. It smells like, uh, you know, lube, mm-hmm. uh, ball sweat. Incense, like yep. nog chompa. There's, there's like you know dildos that have suction cups and <laughs> that are just like suck, you know, stuck all over the walls everywhere. And <laughs> yep, pretty much. Uh, senior <laughs> officers are also playing poker. 
Uh, Crusher notes that she saw Lieutenant Powell with another woman in 10 forward. Mm. May, uh, maybe cheating on a girl? Who knows? Uh, Troy tells her Powell. That'd be a ballsy move on, yeah, a, sh- on, on the, a ship. On a ship. With like uh, less than a thousand people? Like, yeah, it's just like, okay, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to make my time on this small thing I can't escape as difficult as possible. <laughs> uh, but also, like, you know, Riker's fucking everyone in the crew. He's gone through the entire lower oh, yeah. and middle decks with his dick. I think it's actually a requirement. Yeah, yes. <laughs> that's how you get on the Enterprise in the first place. And that's how you get promoted. Yeah. Uh, yep, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Troy tells... Um, Troy tells Crusher uh, Powell should inform Agawa, saying it may hurt her initially, but will be better for her in the longer run. Also, Worf and Riker debate who to promote to the ops position, Cito or Lavelle. Riker thinks Tito is too inexperienced, but Worf gives her his full confidence. Mm-hmm. Riker agrees to keep her in consideration, especially as he thinks Lavelle is too eager to please and always trying to ingratiate himself to him. Troy points out that Riker and Lavelle are very much alike and reminds him how during his time on the USS Potemkin, he took up poker so he could join the officer's game. Riker's like, I like poker. And he's like pissed about it. He's like, "Don't, mm-hmm. don't fucking call me out on my bullshit. Don't compare me to that l- lesser alpha. I'm from Alaska. I'm from Alaska." Uh, Riker decides not to be so hard on the young officer in the future, but he decides to be very hard in young officers in the future. Oh yes. Uh, as the games break up, um, with Lavelle and Riker both being caught bluffing, LaForge invites Tarek to engineering to try out his engine improvements, warming up to him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Moments later, Ben the waiter comes by, hoping to press his luck by engaging the remaining senior officers in a few more hands of poker. That's why I don't get like Ben should have showed up more. Like it yeah, just Ben rocks. It was just funny. Like he had like it establishes in this episode. Like he just has like this close personal relationship with all of our main characters, and, and then we, he's gone. <laughs> he's gone. We never see him before, and we never see him after. That'd be great if he was like a space anomaly that we all just forgot. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's 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 a fucking nebula who's just like. Yeah, after oh, the, here's here's a story where there's working class people yeah. around. <laughs> like after the events of the episode, like he just kind of winks and then just disappears. And <laughs> does. It's it's just Q wanting to play waiter for a day. Yeah. <laughs> the Q in blackface. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, we go to commercial. Come back from commercial. After his uh, Makbara class that Worf is teaching, Worf singles out Sido and tells her she must pass a Giktal challenge to move into his advanced class. And she's like, uh, well, I need to get ready for it. And he's like, that's not the point. The point of it is you, you can't have any preparation for it. So, he has her put on a blindfold and spar with him. But after being knocked down several times... She removes the blindfold and refuses to continue with the test. He praises her for standing up to unfair treatment and hopes she will do so when it happens again, saying she passed the test. Yeah, I, I love that scene. Yeah, it was, just yeah like... it, was, it was great. It was so Worf. It was so... Mm-hmm. It was like Worf being a good dad because he's a good dad to everyone but, but, but Alexander. Alexander. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, Alexander's at the point. Disappointment, so... Oh, yeah. Alexander sucks. Yeah. Man. Like, he was just like, I wish, mom's dead. I wish Sito was my daughter. <laughs> She has the same nose. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, they kind of do. Yeah. So uh, the Giktal was, of course, invented by Worth. It doesn't exist in order to test and encourage Sido's ability to stand up for herself 
when she's being unfairly attacked, mm-hmm. like uh, by Picard, which was a very fair attack. Yeah, yeah, she caused someone's death and helped cover it up. Yeah, Picard definitely made some good points. Like, yeah, very good points. You shouldn't have graduated. Should not. <laughs> should have been expelled. So, yeah, you Cito, killed someone and lied. Yep. Cito takes Worf's advice and confronts Picard about his comments on her Academy days. She asks him to judge her on her performance on the Enterprise and in Riker's quarters. Um, not her past mistakes. Picard is pleased, as is Riker. In actuality, <laughs> that <right laughs> never happened. Sorry. Uh, in actuality, he had only been testing her medal for a very important and dangerous assignment. Mm-hmm. He tells her to join the senior officers in the observation lounge tomorrow at nine hundred hours to discuss it. As Cito is dismissed, Picard tells her that he does know how she ended up on the Enterprise. He was the one who requested she be assigned, as he wanted her to have a proper chance to redeem herself. Pretty cool. Yeah, Once I again, love that. like, Picard being, like, a reasonable but stern guy and, like, mm-hmm. testing people, you know? It's, yeah. It's... Just, like, just, like, bring out the best of them. Yeah. And, absolutely. and yeah, just, you know, and just have that sort of, like, urge to make themselves better. Because that's all, that's all the Federation is about, just, like, mm-hmm self-improvement and then then bettering others yeah and yeah. if you're riker <laughs> get, in your, get your bone on yeah i mean you know everyone everyone treats a utopia differently yes so um it, back in sickbay agawa announces that lieutenant powell has proposed to her to a very relieved dr crusher so this just resolved, like, it resolved in, like, two scenes, and it was, yeah. like, it's a nothing. Yeah, like, I, like, there, you could have complete, like, removed this scene, and... It wouldn't have changed, changed anything about anything. the episode. Like, nothing. Yeah, because we don't see Powell. We don't see him propose. We don't see, like, what the whole thing with the other woman yeah, was. Yeah, what if Powell's ugly as fuck, and we were like, <laughs> oh, him? Yeah, him. Like, a guy was kind of fine. I don't yeah. know what's going she, on. She a batter. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, like I, I would have liked it if like we saw something happen with that. Instead, we're just being told, yeah, and and that's not not a not a fun scene to watch. No, no, it's not great. So, Cito now joins Picard, Riker, and Worf in the observation lounge uh, to talk about the assignment. With them is a Cardassian mm. surprise, Jorit Dahl, uh, who is a Cardassian military officer in Federation uh, turncoat operative. He was the occupant of the escape pod that they picked up. He has risked his life to bring invaluable information about the Cardassian strategic intentions that could enhance the security of Bejor, as well as other planets within the sector. Now Starfleet must get him safely back to Cardassian space. His return would be easier if he had a prisoner, allowing him to pose as a bounty hunter. As a Bajoran, Sito is the perfect candidate, but Picard... Knowing the extreme danger of the assignment, cannot bring himself to order her to do it. Cito volunteers, although it's more of a voluntold. Yeah. Uh, like, o- Ro Lauren's no longer on the ship. Like, we have no other Bajorans. You <laughs> you know, not a visitor's busy. To... But also, you know, they've shown that they can, that, you know, they can perform, you know, aesthetic changes to their faces. Right. Like how hard would it have been to add a fake nose to a to a more is especially since the the plan here is to send her with him right until they cross the Cardassian border and then send an escape pod back with her in it. Like they don't need. I mean, I guess like scanning for Bajoran life signs might be the thing. Well, they, they can, can scan, scan for anybody. 
Yeah, but they can, they can tell like specific life signs based on metrics yeah. and stuff sometimes. So I don't know. Oh, oh, so you mean like the Kardashians could scan yeah, it? Yeah, the see. Kardashians could see that it's not uh, a Bajoran yeah. and a human dressed up as a... Yeah. Uh, yeah, but also why did it have to be a Bajoran in the first place? Because the Kardashians and the Bajorans oh, oh, yeah. were on like, you know... Yeah, uh, but I mean like still, like it could have just, you know, that's that, that, that's it's a big ask of an ensign, but you know... <laughs> yeah, because at this point, I think this is after we get into the whole, like the actual war yeah um, with jim hadar and mm-hmm. like so it could be like anyone in the federation not just a majority yeah you're not wrong yeah. yeah so anyway um uh but then there would be no story that's the thing <laughs> so cedo volunteers fully aware of how the cardassians treat their prisoners which is mostly like torture after she leaves doll expresses his regret uh that she is so young and the enterprise officers agree with him the shuttle Curie that LaForge and Turek damaged with phasers earlier uh, is set to carry the two to Cardassian space, where, after passing through the border patrols, Dahl will return Cedo to Federation space via an escape pod. Cedo says goodbye to Worf as she boards with fake bruises provided by Crusher to make it appear that Dahl had mistreated her. With a medical-grade baseball bat. Yes, uh, exactly. <laughs> uh, pro- yeah, fa- fake bruises provided by Crusher. Yeah. And she's like... You know why they call me Crusher? <laughs> yeah. She takes out, there's like a little plastic sealed bag of like brass knuckles. And she's just <laughs> un- med- medical sealed <laughs> blackjack. Yeah. Just, just unpeels, un- unpeels it and just like, all right, this is going to hurt. Well, <laughs> then again, she could also just like numb her and just go fucking ham on her. And True. Just like... Hell yeah. <laughs> they, should, they probably have like a hypo spray that fucking fucks you up. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they did that in, um, you know, the first episode of Strange New Worlds. Just like give them the weird, and then like they grow alien parts so true true so they grow bruises so during the shuttle trip Cito asks doll why he is helping out starfleet and he tells her that he is sick of the pointless fighting his people engage in brought about by ambitious goals or uh yeah goals uh trying to make a name for themselves in combat he believes what he does is worth it if it will bring peace to cardassia even if it means starfleet is only able to prevent a minor skirmish Cito is surprised to hear such a sentiment from a Cardassian, and he is surprised to get such assistance from a Bajoran. Hmm. Their sensors then alert them that a Cardassian border patrol ship has spotted them. Dahl quickly takes Cito to the back and gets her ready by handcuffing her. If you know what I mean, <laughs> gets her ready for a fucking cloud town. <laughs> so on the Enterprise, Lavelle is worried about his friend Cito's absence. Uh, they're sitting there at the bar, and he realizes Tarek and Agawa know something and is upset when they won't speak of it. When Lavelle protests, telling them all that they are friends, Tarek reminds him that they are also Starfleet officers, and they don't always get to know what's happening on the ship. Lavelle then drops it and leaves to get ready for duty. We then get a captain's log. Captain's log. Stardate 475667. We have reached the coordinates in Federation space where Ensign Cito's escape pod was to have rendezvoused with us. However, we have been waiting for over 30 hours, and as of yet, there's no sign of her. Later, on duty on the bridge, Lavelle has just finished a long-range scan and does not find an escape pod. Riker tells them to narrow the scan field. Lavelle says that it would help if he knew what kind of life signs to look for. He is told to scan for Bajoran life signs. Lavelle Uh-oh. wanted to know if he was looking for his friend. Riker senses his distress. Only after launching a probe did they detect something. Debris, just inside Cardassian space, 
consistent with that of a Starfleet escape pod. Mm. Captain's Log, Supplemental. We have intercepted a Cardassian report stating that a Bajoran prisoner escaped her capture and was killed in an evacuation pod as she tried to leave Cardassian space. In his ready room, Picard makes a ship-wide announcement where he confirms Cito has been lost in the line of duty. Describing her as an outstanding Starfleet officer who showed great courage as well as strength of character and noting that he knows that her death will be deeply felt by everyone who knew her. Cito's friends are seen reacting to the news with shock and upset. Afterwards, Agawa and Tarek are sitting with Lavelle in 10 forward, where Lavelle is regarding the rank pip for his promotion he has just received to Lieutenant Junior Grade. He feels guilty about the promotion, wondering if he received it because Cito was killed. Answer, yes. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. You should feel terrible. You, yeah. you were second choice. He was the only one who didn't have anything to do the entire time. Yeah. Like he was like every other of the um of, of them uh He should have been dicking down like Riker, you know? Exactly. And Riker should have been mad about it, like Riker's like, That's my pussy. Yeah. Oh, that's everyone mine. everyone else was doing stuff and he was just like going like oh, why doesn't Riker like me? <laughs> <laughs> Get out there and fuck dude. You're... And then he got promoted and they didn't have pips. No, right? That's yeah. true. So um Agawa attaches the pip to Lavelle's collar and tells him that they're all very proud of him. At the same time, Worf is also in 10 forward, remembering Sito, alone, drinking prune juice. <laughs> ben sees him sitting alone and encourages him to join the other group by saying he needs to move the table. Worf appreciates the offer, but he doesn't think it is appropriate, as he was her commanding officer, while the others were her friends. But also, wouldn't he have, like, been happy for her, in a way? Because she died. Doing. Yeah, true. And I mean, she died a warrior's death. Died a is, warrior's death. She's in fucking Stovacor now. She, yeah, she's in Stovacor. Like, like it should have had him do like the um, you know, do the do the scream. Oh let, yeah, let or them, like she died with honor. Something, yeah, something. Yeah, like let that. them know. Yeah. Sto let, let Stovacor know like a warrior's coming. Yeah. Yes, yeah, straight up. So, uh, Ben tells Worf that Cito did consider him a friend, and then Worf decides to join the other junior officers as they remember her. Cut to credits. Woo! Yeah, that was uh, that was an episode. Uh, what'd you think? I love that episode. Yeah, it's a really good episode. Yeah, I like you know, you know, especially you know, there's a later episode, so they can take liberty showing like other minor characters on you know minor characters on the uh, ship and through their through their eyes. I mean, it is a little late to like start introducing new cast members, really. Yeah, because I mean, like one of them maybe was introduced before. Yeah. yeah. And, and Cito was in the oh, first three. Yeah. So, so a couple of these were introduced before, but they never really dwelled at all on yeah. them. And then they give them an episode, uh, in the middle of season seven, the last season. Yeah. So like they only have like another 11 episodes they can possibly be featured yeah. on. So it was like, eh. Oh yeah. It was definitely just a one-off just showing like, right. you know, what the, what life is like. Yeah. For... Th thankfully they didn't do it like they did with the fucking scrubs and just like have a whole new class. Hey, yeah. it's the next generation, the next generation. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, because we literally never see. Well, we de yeah, we definitely don't see Lavelle. Ben, we see you know Turok, <laughs> Turok, Turok, Tarek, Turek, Turek. We see we see Turok. We kind of see him again. You know, do we? Well, he's is he plays Sor Sorvik. Sorvik. Oh, oh Sorvik. yeah, yeah. So yeah, we see him as another Klingon or, not, or uh, another Vulcan. Vulcan. Yeah, yeah, which is possibly his twin brother on Voyager. Could be. Yeah, so that's that's cool. We've we've got a lot of you know character actors coming back for roles though. Yeah, oh yeah, it's oh, it's yeah. definitely a thing. Yeah, J 
Jeffrey Combs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> calling oh. Jeffrey Combs. Jeffrey Combs should have played a character. That would have rocked. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Just like, like a... 50 year old ensign <laughs> just <laughs> all right yeah i uh i like this episode a lot i'd yeah. say give it a i mean it, it's not my favorite episode and you know um there there's some stuff i didn't love i didn't love the uh agawa story no that was that was kind of pointless yeah, but but all in all i'd give it like a solid seven and a half out of ten yeah. like it was definitely above average as mm-hmm. far as the star trek episode goes and yeah. like i liked most of the stories they had in there I really liked more than anything the decision to just kill a character. Yeah. At the end, like I, I didn't remember the end of the episode. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh well, she's gonna come back. It's gonna be a mm-hmm. nice ending. And then they're like, no, Cito's fucking dead. Yeah. It's, uh, it's part, yeah, part of the part of the game. Yeah. Part of, yeah. Play the game. Yeah, that, like, that like in fucking Highlander. Yeah, and, and I think it's also yeah good, you know, showing off Picard's character. You know, yeah, like, yeah absolutely. Because you know, you know, Star Trek Picard kind of like. Yeah, and this Ruined. was really a character episode, which yeah. I really liked, and it like really focused on both Picard and Riker, yeah. um, and kind of like you know how they deal with things. Mm-hmm. I like that. I liked all that. Yeah. So yeah, seven and a half. What, did you get a any rating? Uh, you know, no, there is no excessive. You know, you know, we're, I'm I'm comparing it to like uh, the strange new, you know, the Elysian right, kingdom, right. and you, know, you don't have to just and, on its own merit, <laughs> and that and and that was just like so boob heavy, and this had zero boob. You're right, this did and, have zero boob, and so oh, like I, I, I have to compare it to that. And no, I'm just kidding. It's it's a really good episode. This, I, this I, gets it, an A cup. Yeah, <laughs> this gets an A cup. No, <laughs> no, it is one of my favorite episodes. I was I, I I think about it sometimes. This episode fell a little flat for me. If you yeah, know what I mean. <laughs> a little flat. Uh, no, that's a, that's a great episode. Yeah, uh, that's our uh, Star Trek for the week. I guess it's uh, time to get into some subspace transmission. Oh boy, subspace transmissions. Subspace transmissions. Why, hello, welcome to Subspace Transmissions. This is uh, the part of the show where we uh, look at comments from social media. Be it uh, YouTube, be it Reddit, be it IMDb reviews, be it uh, Instagram, be it uh, I don't know what, what, whatever the kids just, are just doing. Just hot turds from people's minds. Yeah, yeah, stupid dumbass bullshit. So yeah. we're uh, we're gonna start with a question uh, I got from Facebook. We got a guy named Joseph Copeland with a bad question. He <laughs> says, "So let me get this straight, because I didn't realize this character was trans." Is Cybok gay now? Referring to uh, Captain Angel in, uh, I think, the last episode of mm-hmm. of um, Star Trek: Strange New Worlds, uh, because they they got a uh, a, um, a trans woman to play a villain uh, who's a uh, non-binary on the show, apparently. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I don't I don't I don't think this person really understands what gay is and how it works with trans people. No. Um, so I I would like him to shut the fuck up, but yeah. it gets it gets it gets worse. This comp. Comment chain gets worse. Someone oh, responds no. to him, and he says, um, in response to something, he says, uh, so does this mean Cybok is having sex with a transgender? Think he's a pitcher or a catcher? And then shares a picture of Cybok that says, share your pain and gain strength from the sharing. I gotta say, woof, man. This guy's just gotta shut the fuck up. Yeah, this, like, some people on the internet, like, if if you don't know any trans people, don't talk about trans people on the internet. Straight up, it's yeah. it's pretty easy. It's pretty easy because like if you don't know trans people, you either don't care about them or you don't know what they're thinking. So maybe it's like it's like not meeting a black person in your life and going and t- 
talking about black people on the internet. That's that's weird, and it's going to end up being racist no matter how you put it, mm-hmm. because you have no context whatsoever. I mean, this definitely looks like this is a Facebook comment, so... Oh, it, oh, it definitely is. Oh, yeah. Speaking of Facebook comments, here's Ooh. here's one. This was, I think, on Star Trek shitposting. So, it's a meme, and it says, Some things just don't mix, and it's a, a glass with water and oil in it. Oh, it's, course, not, it's not urine? Yeah, no, because no, the, the urine would mix with water. Yeah, well, that's so, true. So this is obviously oil and water, and the oil is on top, and it says Trump supporters, and the water separated on the bottom says Star Trek, implying that Trump supporters and Star Trek fans don't mix. I mean, my dad is the one who got me into Star Trek, and he is a huge Trump supporter. But uh, one of the last things I ever said to him, I haven't talked to him in six years, and one of the last things I said to him was, you don't understand Star Trek. <laughs> That's good. That's good, because he really doesn't. He although, really doesn't. Because like, yeah. he, he doesn't understand, like, he just he just watches it for the techno babble. He thinks, like, the extent oh. of sci-fi is the techno babble and, oh. and the future thing. Meanwhile, he's just like, they're... They're teaching moral things. Yeah, it's it's all every single episode is like a moral quandary that yeah. is resolved with morality and ethics and like yeah. And he's like, oh no, that's that's just the story. Uh, like I um, like the spaceship. It's the aliens in the techno battle. Yeah, great, awesome. <laughs> so uh, a guy named uh, Ryan Kurtz uh, says about this uh, this meme. He says, uh, "A lack of most liberal ideas." You are wrong, <laughs> which is great. Then uh, someone else says uh, in response to this, uh, Clint, Clint, Clint Hampson says, sounds legit. If you like Trump, you're on top. <laughs> Anyone that doesn't get used to bottom living. I mean, unless you are a bottom. True. And then you I mean, like you're to You're already be... used to bottom living. Yeah, you're already used to bottom living. I mean, Trump's obviously not a like a top really like he obviously doesn't like do anything during sex he's a guy who starfishes he's like eh, yeah suck on my dick yeah can Fabulous. you imagine can you imagine him and just like doing anything and like no he's just not like putting any effort just like anything. his heart's just like beating out of his chest like just exerting himself physically yeah, <laughs> he's, just like... he's just lying there and having a heart attack like <laughs> I'm, I'm about to come <laughs> all right uh another great response to this Oh, yeah. Now that looks like a man who knows his horse semen. <laughs> what? <laughs> all right. I, I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some, yeah, he's definitely had horse semen on the brain. Uh, he's had horse semen on more than just the brain. Sure. <laughs> yeah, all right. And the just final... take a black light through his whole house <laughs> and just like, yeah, learn that he has horses. Just like, <laughs> oh, God. Mr. Hands. Mr. Hands. And uh, final response to this one. Benjamin <laughs> Logan Wolf says, Shitler, this is epic. This is gold. This is beyond awesome. Thank you, great God, for <laughs> this moment. Yeah, this is Twitter gold. Or Reddit gold. Yeah, it's, it's something. All right, next we're going to go to uh, a different place in Facebook. Where <laughs> someone has posted an article, actually not an article, it was a YouTube video explaining okay. Discovery Klingons. Okay. Uh, and Patricia Finnegan Hunter says, An excellent theory as to why the Klingons of Enterprise to Discovery to TOS to TMG often look so vastly different. Which is explained uh, by Worf briefly mm. and said, We do not discuss that with outsiders. Yeah. Um, the behind the scenes answer is, you know... 
makeup got better. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. that's the answer. This, uh, the theory postulated in this video is uh, during like the hundred years between like TOS and TNG and then it, yeah, between those years, uh, they, they experimented with like, uh, you know, genetic enhancements and stuff. Yeah. And that's how it happened. Okay. Uh, and then like, yeah. So we got some responses from that. Oh, uh-oh. So Josh Dillon says, The Discovery Klingons are just so ridiculous. I get wanting them to be more than just people with face putty on, but man, <laughs> they can barely move or emote in these silly fish face costumes. Not to mention the absolute burial they gave them as a culture in the universe. R.I.P. Klingons, gone but not forgotten. I mean, I will say that's one thing I liked about um, Discovery is like um, the uh, they showed the Klingons just bury their dead on on the front of their ship. So when they that was sick, yeah, that was sick. When they engage in battle, like the the dead are the first yeah. at, at, at the first front of the line, basically. And I, I I thought that was pretty sick. That's pretty sick Klingon stuff. Yeah. But, um, so Peter Kavanaugh says in response, "Do you think any relation to Judge Kavanaugh?" He likes beer. <laughs> I like I like Trek. I like Trek. Uh, Peter Kavanaugh says, it's just different showrunners wanting to put their own stamp on the show, which is probably the best explanation, honestly. Yeah, I mean, he, mean, he, he, he has some sort of, like, um, malicious intent to that statement, but that's literally what they all do. Yeah, straight <laughs> up. Um, next, uh, in response to this, Daffied Mac and Lay says, <laughs> "The hell uh, must be Scottish." <laughs> oh yeah, uh, different species, all citizens of the Klingon Empire, and therefore all Klingons. There explained. Okay, which I I would accept. However, it makes very certain that we know that basically all of these main Klingons in all these stories are from uh, Konos. Yeah, which is the main Klingon planet. Mm-hmm. So that wipes out this theory. However, there is another theory someone postulates, kind of based on that, that I think is just dog shit and completely misunderstands everything. So Jennifer Barrett says, How many different species of humans have lived on the Earth, some at the same time? Homo habilis? Homo rudolfensis? The ones that have the glowing red Homo erectus? Homo ancestor? Homo hedblengus, Homo florenesis, the, the Hobbit, Homo neanderthalensis, Homo nelendi, Homo densovians, possible, and finally us, Homo sapiens. And to top it off, we have intelligent non-primate Earth species serving in Starfleet like dolphins and whales. Mm-hmm. That's why there are so many different types of Klingons. And at least two different known trill and two different Andorians. Not every planet with intelligent life killed their potential rival species. To suggest that only one intelligent species can be on one planet as speciesist and quite provincial. But I mean, like, there's Klingons from TOS yeah. that reappear and uh, yes. DS9, you know, when like they, when, um, Jadzia goes with them, right, right, and has like the Three Musketeers adventure, true, like, true. and but they ra- dra- dramatically change, so, and even still, does that mean like every like the Klingon ships we see are then just very like like almost like their own little floating ethno states where they only pick 
specific Klingons. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> and how would we only see like one type of Klingon per series? Like, are they, at a time? Yeah. Yeah. Is every ship like racially segregated? Yeah. Like, are are the Klingons segregating everybody, but never telling us about it? Because like they could have explained that easily, but they didn't. Yeah. I so. mean, I think yeah. The whole point is just like it's just different makeup, man. Just yeah. I mean, like even in like a lot of the TOS movies, like. Um, when they start to update the Klingon look, like they look really weird, like, yeah. <laughs> like so. But yeah, like uh, General, uh, what's his name from? Um, by you know Christopher Plummer. Yeah, like he was. Um, he uh, uh, Ch- Chang. Something? I don't recall. Yeah, like um, he like yeah he uses like yeah I'm not wearing all that crap, <laughs> and so he pretty much looked. Yeah, and you know he looked drastically different from the other Klingons. We love that. We, we love, love that actors being like, "No, yeah, <laughs> I'm not doing that." Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we have another response here. Uh, Philip Odom says, "The only way I can begin to stomach it is to choose to believe Discovery takes place in a different universe altogether, <laughs> not an alternate timeline or any of that nonsense, but a straight up different reality." Since thanks to TOS, TNG. And DS9 were keenly aware that different universes exist, and they are vast and numerous. Fine. I mean, you can you can choose to believe that, but yeah. it's clearly not true. Yeah, I mean... Like, they clearly have a lot of the same people in this universe. Like, Pike. Pike yeah. ties basically everything together. Like, yeah, and, um, and uh, New Spock was also in... Uh... Yeah, yeah. Pike, Spock, and uh, uh, Sarek basically yeah. tie all of the universes together in mm-hmm. one way or another, and you can't... Yeah. That out. All right, so now we're done with Facebook for today, and we are going to go ahead and read some of the recent reviews on IMDb oh of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, mostly ones that came out after the episode we just watched. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. So this person just watched the new episode and gives the series a 4 out of 10, <laughs> saying, Disc all over again! Uh, this is from iCarb98536 on June 23rd, 2022, today. I don't know, but this Discovery didn't have any silly episodes. It, it has really... silly parts, but not episodes. It has silly parts, but yeah, no, yeah. no, 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 no let, let's get silly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he says, um, iCarb98536 says, I just can't fathom that the first two episodes of this new series was just so good, I got the tingle back, the anticipation... But then, what the <laughs> hell? We have silly little quips. Serious, seriousness has gone out the window. Actors feeling too relaxed. Now they have the job. We need edgy suspense. Getting out of tight situations. Putting your life on the line. We do not need pantomime. Come on, Star Trek production team. And pull your socks up before this becomes a discovery folly, Dan. I mean, thank you, Dan. We we have silly episodes all throughout Trek, like yeah. fistful of Data's. Yeah, come on, like uh, Data with giant boobs, literally like spawning epi- over war. The second episode <laughs> of Star Trek TNG when they get the polywater intoxication and yeah. fuck each other is a comedy episode. Oh yeah, literally the second episode. Like, come on. Yeah, and, like, Wesley Crusher, is this what feeling drunk feels like? Or what he says, like, this yeah. feels great. Or... <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go m- masturbate in the Jeffrey's tube. Um, all right, here's another one. So, this person uh, says, 8 out of 10 for the series. Says, a vast improvement, but where is the respect? 
LMRK5705 says on June 17th last week, I was very skeptical about what? Skeptical. I was very skeptical about watching this new iteration of Star Trek, given the Discovery and Picard were utterly unwatchable. And it's the same people at the helm. I must say, I'm very pleasantly surprised, even shocked. The stories are great. In the vein of TOS and TSG, or sorry, TNG, most of the characters are good, particularly Captain Pike, Number One, and Laon, Noonien, Singh, and Hammer. Who likes Laon? Laon sucks, man. And Hammer's a dickhead. <laughs> um, I even like the reimagining of characters from the original series. The problem I have with it, though, is the attitude of some of the younger characters. Cadet Ahura and Ortega. They are simply vile, <laughs> arrogant, entitled, rude, and have no respect for their senior officers or the chain of command. It's a spaceship fashioned on the Navy, but these horrible characters make endlessly snippy, snide, and sarcastic comments, which would not be tolerated in any workplace, let alone one based on the military. It's not the military. If the writers think they are doing younger generations a favor by putting out the message that you can be insolent and rude as you like if you fit into a woke demographic, <sighs> then that you can be insolent... Oh, uh, then the writers are setting them up for failure in the real world and sending the wrong message respect should be universal dude what the fuck it's a it's a goddamn show also You're, it's not a like starfleet isn't a military institution like, yeah it's it's a i mean they they have military aspects yeah to them, and they're set on a military hierarchy and there is a chain of command yes yeah. but like I, I agree like people do are a little less formal than in like tng or ds9 or anything like yeah that. but i really haven't seen any like vile Vile, arrogant, or entitled, or rude. Like, they, like... No, it's just stupid soy lines. Like, uh, kaboom? Huh, we're gonna blow up? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like, you know, and, and they're having fun together. Like, you yeah. know, they're just, like, Ortegas is not, like, being... Has never been awful to anyone. Like, except, you know, she did, you know, in that one sarcastic comment to the guy that was, like, put his head through the light. You know, just, like, whatever gets your freak off, pal, or whatever yeah, she said. Yeah. yeah, also, like, the, the fucking... The writers are setting young people up for failure in the real world. <laughs> What, yeah. what Gen Zers are watching new Star Trek? <laughs> and who is, uh, yeah, and, and they think, like, oh, yeah, I can, like, they, everyone always acts like it's going to, like, influence people's behavior, whatever they see. And, and the culture, yeah, like, yeah. what? Yeah, again, this is, like, also using woke as a descriptor, and right. it's just, like, and it's completely meaningless. Right, it's like, if, if you want to, like, fucking police people's behavior, maybe, like, look at the, the Marvel films that, like, you know, glorify, you know, like, fucking awful military engaged I mean, yeah like, pro yeah it's pro i mean it's it's definitely yeah it's ob yeah, financed by tax dollars yeah, yeah. by the military by and, the dod yeah, yeah it's like it's it's super pro dod yeah so of course it's going to be yeah just pro military you know and also i mean i will say anything's like um like a bad influence it's just like this whole notion that was in picard of just like you know you know the world can be saved by one great person like one uh, is like it, exceptionalism exceptionally yeah dumbass exceptionalism bullshit yeah, meritocracy like, type shit yeah. yeah yeah and that's the thing is star trek does exist in like a meritocracy which yeah. is a conservative ideal you know yeah. it's uh, yeah whatever all right let's move on here here's a here's another one a little less positive than the last one. <laughs> oh god four out of ten for the series says if you want to bore people, then... So Max6640 says, Today, 
Choose a woke cast of women. <laughs> it's a joke. Any show that relies on women will be like life relying on women. Just a boring and pathetic apt to mimic something. Women-heavy shows are all the rage trying to prove that women can do male things. Well, it's a waste of time. This show is for the PC losers of today. The real world will eat them up and swallow them whole. Weakness everywhere. Yeah. You know who's not uh, eating them up and swallowing them whole for this guy? What's that? Women. That's they're, they're not, they're not, they've never swallowed this guy whole. No, he's and never I, been swallowed in his life. I, um, I think that's what, uh, yeah, he's angry about. <laughs> yeah. And also the PC losers of today, obviously a Mac guy, right? No, yeah, yeah. Very, very into Apple. Um, yeah. Like, I, I just don't understand. Like, so, so what? There's women. Like, like a, a little <laughs> bit more than half the cast is women. Yeah. So what? Like, the majority of the cast on every other Star Trek is men. Every single other one. Yeah. It's, why why is it so wrong that one Starfleet ship out of like seven that we've seen has a slight majority of women? Oh no, <laughs> they can't do male things like working a computer. Yeah, they're I, all working a computer. I mean, uh, these people like the guys who leave these kinds of messages are definitely shut-ins who don't actually have they're incels meaning they're fucking... meaning meaningful relationships with no. women, yeah. and so I Ooh. mean. I mean, he's leaving a message on an internet movie database for him. Exactly. I mean, yeah, <laughs> fucking, well, the, the PC losers of today won't exist in the real world, he types at 3 a.m. Just screaming into the void. Yeah. Not, so it's just like, uh, yeah. Fucking people, man. Yeah. I mean, I mean, also it's like, if it drives, I mean, I, I mean, obviously like we watch things that make us angry. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, we, that's have, fun. we have fun. Yeah. yeah but I these mean, are, this is like, there's utility to that. There's utility to this, but this is like, like a lot of these people I feel just do it just to like, just, just rage. For... Yeah. They, they want to <laughs> hater bait. They want to just masturbate to their yeah. seething anger. Um, yeah, more power to them, you know. You know, like, everyone's I mean, everyone's got to find their vocation I, in life, and this I is... can guarantee you, the last two comments we read, those guys like uh, go on to Alexandria Ocasio Cortez's <laughs> fucking socials every day to fucking rail against her and be like, yeah. "You call me bitch." <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, you know, those are the same people. Oh yeah, I mean, but then they jerk off to like. Uh, deep fakes of her feet and shit <laughs> or those like drawings of like the guy you know, like i don't know if you saw those things where it's like they were turning to memes where like it's like a bunch of women ruling like you know the future that liberals want <laughs> and it's just like a bunch of men and like you know being used as cattle while women Hell sweat yeah. with them they're like yeah i love that yeah. yeah that sounds cool yeah sign us up <laughs> all right so sec- sec- second to last review we're gonna read today um it's another Disappointed one, four out of ten. Cool. Uh, and the title is Disappointed. Uh, this is from <laughs> Annette Bowers, which is like a grandma name, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's funny that she has actually her actual name on there. Yeah, like, have you tried looking her up? No, I should though. Yeah. Um, so yeah. this one was left uh, about a week ago, June eighteenth. She says, "I've been watching Star Trek since it debuted in nineteen sixty six. All the episodes, all the films." I love the characters over the years. I must admit that I am disappointed in the latest set of shows. Discovery is boring. Stop watching it. <laughs> I was looking forward to Strange New Worlds because it picked up on the original storyline. 
But again, I am disappointed. Too much talking. <laughs> a recent episode showed a crew member taking her index finger and pushing a button which elicited <laughs> the sound of a weapon being fired. Huh? <laughs> Boring. <laughs> the Enterprise has abilities and weapons. Let her do stuff. She's as much of the story as the actors are. An occasional battle wouldn't be so bad, would it? There's no excitement in the show. No complaints with the acting. I love Anson Mount. Hells yeah, Handsome Mount. Indeed. <laughs> Unless the pace of the episodes pick up, I'm not sure how much longer I can hang on. Respectfully submitted. Respectfully disagree. I like the pacing. It's... It's yeah. a little faster than, like, TNG and, and DS9 and stuff, mm -hmm. but slower than Discovery. Yeah. And, and it's I, better. It's better, yeah. I like, I like the pace. I, I think the pacing's fine. I actually, actually love it. I love that they let scenes marinate. Yeah. And, you know, not everything has to be, like, insane. Just, like, everyone running everywhere. And... I hate that. Hate it. All right. So, uh, sorry, I lied. There's two more left. This one. Hell yeah. One more. So. Um, we got a good review here. Nine out of ten. Cool. And uh, this guy says, title is, Come on, people. Uh, written on June 17th, 2022, so just last week. Mm. This one is by Bob NV, or sorry, NWV. He says, uh, reading through the reviews, I'm disappointed at how much negativity is being expressed. Star Trek Strange New Worlds is the best Trek since Enterprise was axed. Romulus still exists unlike what was portrayed in Picard, and Vulcan wasn't sacrificed as a plot point like the new Chris Pike reboot. Uh, Strong acting of the entire ensemble and patient and thoughtful character development in the writing elevates this series to the high standards of TOS and TNG. So this guy doesn't understand time. No. Both the, 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 the Chris Pine Trek reboot and Romulus blowing up Happened well after this. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, Romulus blowing up happens in Picard. Yeah. And, yeah, which is, like, a hundred-something years. Doesn't that happen in Nemesis? Oh, yeah. That was Mars that was yeah. fucking fucked up by the androids. Oh, yeah, like, uh, Picard's dealing with the blowback of... Right, right. Yeah, yeah like, they've been displaced and right, stuff. Right, 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 yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, I don't... Yeah, that was... This is just dumb and misinformed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't disagree, but dumb. All right. And our last one of the day. Oh, nice. Five out of ten. Average. Close. The The title is Close But No Cigar. And I... I just saw the name. I chose this specifically because of the name. Because the name that left this comment about a week ago is... IMDB allows left-wing extremist bots, awesome. which is amazing. I want that to be my new like name on all my socials. <laughs> you, you think Data is a left-wing extremist bot? I mean, chances are yes. He does yeah. work in a post-scarcity communist society. True, true that. So yes, he's a he's a he's a left-wing extremist so, bot. IMDB allows left-wing extremist bots. Says this isn't good. It's not as bad as the mental health intervention advert <laughs> Discovery, but it's ruined by the inclusion of Melissa N. What do you think that N means? <laughs> Wait, Melissa, no, Melissa I think that, N? I think that's who plays um, fucking uh, Ortegas. 
Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I think that's her name. Um, I think I follow her on Twitter. I think it is. Yeah, she's cool. Yeah, she's cool. Except her character isn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Melissa I mean, we and, haven't really had too much yeah. time with Ortegas. And the ongoing battle from Hollywood to destroy anything feminine. <laughs> it is, however, the closest recent series to true Star Trek. Okay, so, like, what are you complaining about, bro? He's, he's, he's a queerphobe. He's just like, yeah. this woman has a man's haircut. Oh, my God. And big eyebrows, and I don't know what to think. <laughs> I don't, I, I want to have sex with it, but I think it might have a penis. Yeah. I don't know what to do. He doesn't, he doesn't know how to deal with a woman that has swag. I mean, oh, yeah. Ortega's, you know, he, she... We haven't spent too much time with her in this show, but she does. She definitely has a little swag to her. A little swag, but also a little bit of soy. Yeah, there's some soy. Can't have, can't have, can't have. Or I guess you can. I was about to say you can't have swag without soy, but that's not true at all. It's <laughs> <laughs> really not. <laughs> so uh, that is uh, subspace transmissions for the week. Groovy. I love reading insane. Like, like it's pretty much just like. Kevin Spacey's notebooks from Seven. That's what I, that's how I, every, I feel every time I read anything from the internet. People's comments, just like their innermost thoughts, just like spilled out on page. Yeah, it's like okay, cool. I'm gonna lose. My, I'm, I'm eventually. I'm just gonna lose my own mind. Yeah, people are like the dumbest motherfuckers in existence, and it's kind of funny, but at the same time, it's really disheartening. Yeah. I do think, like, the internet's making people dumber. Oh, absolutely. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a thing that, like, you know, they, they used to say, like, there's two types of intelligence. Uh, intelligence yeah. where you know the information. Intelligence where you know how to find the information. Mm -hmm. And the internet has irrevocably changed our society to where everyone now just wants to be a person who knows where to get information. No yeah. one, no one's a fucking master of anything anymore. No. Like, even extremely like tenured it techs and stuff like that will tell you, Oh yeah, I just Google everything. And it's like, what, what is, <laughs> what, then who knows anything? Yeah. Who, who actually knows? And I'm afraid that like, uh, we are like a, a race of experts is dying out and there will truly be no living knowledge in our world anymore in the near future. Yeah. You know, like there is, there are no longer any like master apprentice systems where like, old knowledge is like handed down in a traditional way. Like we just say now, uh, eh, I mean, just summarize it in a fucking book and or like to make a YouTube video on it. And it's, yeah. it's not the same. And, no. and in, in as much we've lost like, you know, centuries old arts, like uh, the art of violin making, like they don't know how Stradivarius violins were made yeah. and they sound different than anything else. And they just can't recreate that. It's, and it's also like, I think, you know, we're also just inundated with so much information true. that like, we don't, it doesn't have time to sit with us. Right. And, and everyone's expected to know a little bit of everything. Now. Yeah. Like people get mad if you're like, you know, not on the up and up in politics and you know, other things in life. And mm -hmm. you're like, I only have so much fucking time and attention. Like, yeah. And hatred as well. Like mm -hmm. they can only hate so many things. And our free time is, is being whittled down more and more every day where it's just like, you know, you, you have to just, you know, it's just more going towards work and then like mm -hmm. you have to economize your free time to focus on things and it's just like there's so much it just feels confusing on what you should actually just be focusing on <laughs> absolutely you know boss makes a dollar i yeah. make a dime that's why we should all exist in an economy of crime <laughs> that's uh i like that yeah i just made that up yeah. put that on a t-shirt or you know tattoo it on my dick <laughs> Uh, I guess that, uh, brings us near the end. Uh, Pat, do you have anything to plug or do you want to be found on the internet by anyone? Uh, yeah, if they want to follow me on Twitter. Well, what's your uh, Twitter? I can't remember. I think it's Potomac Bomb. 
I believe that's correct. Yeah, at Atomic Bomb. Yeah, Atomic Bomb. I just I sometimes post things. I Photoshop on my phone. We love that. And Excellent. Well done. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and you can find me uh, on like any social at Soytrek. Uh, just catch me shit posting on stuff and like get into a flame war with me. We'll make it fun. <laughs> Who cares? You know, that's what we do. Come at him with the hottest takes, but you better come correct. Oh, hell yes. All right. Uh, speaking of coming, time <laughs> for a eulogy. Well, the away team was in a pinch and somebody had to die. But thanks a lot. Time to beam up to the big red shirt in the sky. It's Red Shirt Obituaries. Today we remember Ensign O'Hurley and Command- Lieutenant Commander Lang, both who served as security officers under James T. Kirk on the Enterprise. Both men perished on the planet Cestus III, Ensign O'Hurley being vaporized by a Gorn weapon and Lieutenant Commander Lang off-screen by a Gorn attack, presumably similarly vaporized. Hmm. Although both were security officers, Lieutenant Commander Lang was wearing a yellow shirt, suggesting he was somehow command instead of a tactical officer. Mm. So rest in peace, O'Harely and Lang. You will forever be remembered in the annals of the stupid Star Trek podcast. (laughs) R.I.P. Bozo. Thank you for your sacrifice, (laughs) I guess. (laughs) That brings us to the end. Captain's Log, Supplemental. Well, that's all. Looks like it's time for us to warp away. Thanks for joining us, Trekkers. Kwapla. And as Ferengi rule of acquisition number 211 says, employees are the rungs on the ladder of success. Don't hesitate to step on them. <laughs> Hang dong and shocker. Soy, 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 soy,